With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, this is Tony Cotty and you're listening to the We Are West End podcast. Well, 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 James Jones, what a smash and grab for West Ham United that was at Goodison Park. 1-0, Angelo Ogbonna leaping like a salmon at the near post to head back after Jordan Pickford failed to clear a high ball under pressure from Mikel Antonio. West Ham United moved back up with the big boys where they belong into sixth place in the Premier League. It was a brilliant win at Goodison Park, a place where we're becoming more and more comfortable. Our second smash and grab there in as many seasons. And all in all, brilliant stuff. Three points in the bag made us forget about that game against Brentford and about the international break in mere moments. I'm delighted to say that joining me as ever is James Jones. No Reese Bayless, he's still having a few weeks off of the podcast, but James is here with me. James, how are you, mate? First of all, a brilliant win at Everton on Sunday. It's just good stuff. Buzzing, absolutely buzzing. What a win that was. Um, to, we don't. I think that was only our sixth ever win at Goodison Park in in the Premier League era. At like 26, 27 visits. So yeah, great win. Um, I thought we were a better team on a day as well. So fully deserved. Some good performances all round and. Um, Back in the top six where we belong, mate. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Absolutely. And this uh, this week's podcast comes fresh off of the back of um, a wonderful little night out that me and you had last week on Thursday evening. We made the trek up to the Royal Lancaster Hotel in West London, all suited and booted. Um, to For the finals of the Football Content Awards, a brilliant ceremony. Um, over there, wonderful food, outstanding panna cotta for dessert, which I'm sure we'll get onto in a lot of detail. Um, the, the the fashion faux pas we were worried about the week before didn't come to fruition. 
um, all in all, mate, a wonderful evening. And there's a lovely little front runner to West Ham getting three points away from home on the weekend. Yeah, it was a great night. It's obviously, shame we didn't come away with a, with a bit of silverware, but um, yeah, it was a superb night, wasn't it? It was good, good for you and I to be able to actually have a proper catch up face to face. We had a went to the pub first, and we had a couple of beers, and yeah, it was just yeah, it was a good night. Wonderful, really enjoyed evening, it. Wasn't it. Yeah, and so um, you you went for the Carragher look instead rather than the, the Zuckerberg look. Yeah, well, we'll get on to that in a couple of minutes, mate. Um, just for anyone who was, of course, listening to to last week's show, will have known there was some serious concern, um, wardrobe concerns between Jonesy and I. We didn't want our outfits to clash. Uh, I think in the end, James, we, we smashed it, um, put a couple of photos up on um, on Instagram, of course. I just want to... Sh- you know, uh, appreciate the people who engage with with us. Um, we were wondering, weren't we, that the Zuckerberg or Carragher look was the chat last week. I decided after much deliberation and much uh, pre-event WhatsApping with you to go with the T-shirt, the white T-shirt under the cream blazer, the grey blazer, uh, the blue chinos, um, and then the uh, uh, hush puppies, I think they're called, uh, I'm a little bit young to know exactly what they're called, but um, yeah, the hush puppies. And uh, you went with the the black chinos, the black roll neck, uh, and the the white creamy blazer over the top with the black shoes, didn't you? Very much milk tray man with a with a James Bond tuxedo jacket over the top. Yeah, quite a lot of people said I was going for the James Bond look. It wasn't intentional, but I mm. take it. I take it. But yeah, <laughs> I thought I thought um, we. I mean, it's confirmed that you and I are the, probably the most stylish podcasters to have ever walked the land. Um, <laughs> like, just absolute class. Both looks top dollar. I thought, I thought the the image on Instagram and, and Twitter just shows to everyone that you know, yeah, yeah. We might we might not have won any awards, but if it was a fashion show, only one winner or oh, only two winners, or two, only two, two winners. Got Juan would have been so proud. <laughs> Wouldn't he? Jack? So yeah, yeah. so proud. It's funny though, James. You mentioned that that you weren't going for the James Bond. Whenever people say, you know, describe James Jones to me, because you know, I only listen to him on the podcast and never seen him in person, I always say, just think Daniel Craig straight away. <laughs> well, I'll take that definitely. <laughs> uh, the day I say that will be the day that uh, you know I've completely lost my mind. But um, I did like some of the uh, reaction we got on social media. Uh, Jonesy, when that photo of us went up. Just a reminder, as I always do, of course, you can follow us on social media at we are underscore West Ham on Twitter. Uh, we are West Ham Pod on Instagram. Search We Are West Ham Podcast on Facebook and YouTube, and you can email us at we are West Ham Pod at gmail.com if you so wish. Uh, that photo went up on our Twitter and on the Instagram, Jonesy. Uh, a couple of my favorite Instagram replies, uh, Mark's man. Uh, said turtleneck is better than crew neck in my opinion the crew neck is crew neck just another like a weird way of saying t-shirt a round neck t-shirt yeah crew neck is round neck yeah right okay yeah, it's just yeah. it's just it's just a, yeah it's just what a round neck is called is is typically known as a crew neck oh is it oh, i feel like the sort of thing they put on like labels in like debenhams or marks and spencers but <laughs> funnily enough i don't buy too many of my t-shirts <laughs> from debenhams or marks and spencers um chris two three uh 
was my favourite one. Uh, at Will Pugh does it better than Carragher and Silicon Valley. So major respect uh, to Chris for that one. Uh, Steve Hunt did have a pop at me though. Uh, good luck, lads. But fingers crossed for you. But where's your socks? Um, didn't really like that. I mean, although Steve, uh, you'll be pleased to hear that I had those class little invisible socks on so it gives the appearance that i haven't but uh make sure you don't um have sweaty feet uh, and i did let steve know that it's 2021 and everyone does know that crop trousers and no socks makes you look less fat so <laughs> that was the uh that was the thinking behind that one um Ato- atomic nova said you found the place then um and adam said you make a lovely couple which was <laughs> quite cute i thought um but yeah overall mate we just let everyone know like what we were nominated for um and congratulations of course to uh, gooners against cancer who were the winners in our category yeah, we were up for best charitable campaign up against some you know, really, really good other content creators who have been raising money for, for all different types of charities. As you said, Gooners v Cancer were the, were the winners on the night, but it was obviously for our work that we do with Betway, obviously we're doing it this season, but raising over 12 and a half grand for charity last year alongside Betway with the charity bets. Um, we went for it. We were nominated thanks to all the... All, everyone that voted for us to get us to the to the point where we could go to the awards evening as as finalists, but um, unfortunately on the night it wasn't to be. But definitely, I think I think we'll be going and going in for it next season as well. I reckon go, we'll go yeah. go big next year and try and win it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, thing is though, I'm just worried we've peaked of our outfits. That's the only thing. It's only one. It's only downhill from there, isn't it? Outfit-wise, well, we'll see. We'll see. You never know what's <laughs> going to happen between. I mean, a year's a long time in fashion, isn't it? So you never know. <laughs> that is true, mate. That is true. I never, ever expected to hear such wise words from you about Courtois <laughs> fashion. Uh, Carmen Joseph as well uh, on Instagram. Hello to Carmen said, nice to put some faces to my morning, morning weekly podcast. Good job. Uh, glad to see the fashion section in this week's chat. Uh, went according to plan which was uh yeah nice for carmen as well but just to reiterate and that we won't bang on about that too much anymore reiterate what james said thanks so much to any of you who voted for us and we're you know it wasn't i was none of it was about the awards uh for me or jonesy we raised more than twelve and a half thousand pounds for three fantastic west ham charities thanks uh to our partnership with betway who've been great uh, on that side of things as well so brilliant to be recognized um, and nominated for the final on the back of that but obviously it's, it's far not even doesn't even come close to how proud we are with the money we've raised so uh, yeah great evening all round Josie you got home a little bit later than me though didn't you a little bit of a headache you had the next day just a little bit yeah I um I was in serious serious trouble the following morning <laughs> um yeah I, I woke up on my sofa. I think I got in at about two o'clock um, after you left a lot earlier. You were wise. I got home. <laughs> yeah. About two after initially deciding to think, right, I'm going to leave about 11, half 11. Um, Which is when about when I left, I think. Yeah. And I thought, well, I'll leave in a minute. I'll leave in a minute. And then someone goes to me, I'll oh, have another drink. Have another drink. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. And it's thinking I'm, I'm ordering an Uber at God knows what hour. Wake up the following morning. Um, still in my blazer, still in my, all my clothes, sitting there. Then it dawned on me that all my work stuff and my laptop was in the office. So I had to get up and, and get on the tube and go in and do some work, which I didn't admit I didn't get a lot done. But yeah, um, 
not the wisest thing to do on a school night is stay up until two, half two in the morning. Uh, the worst feeling in the world, waking up in your clothes the night before, particularly when it's a blazer and a, and a turtleneck. It's like, what <laughs> yeah. am I doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I bet the outfit didn't look anywhere near as good that next day, did it? But yeah, I was sensible. I had a 6 a.m. start the next day. So uh, yeah, I managed to get home for about half 12, I think. It was still an absolute horrible day the next day. My my little eyes were burning all day long. But the uh, yeah, the nice comments we got on social media did perk me up a bit so uh yeah and then west ham win at the weekend all lovely stuff uh indeed jonesy um we'll get into it in more detail of course but what just give us your immediate reaction to that game on sunday what was your feelings and thoughts straight afterwards i just thought it was a, a well-deserved win i think you know we, we had the bulk of the possession um everton probably had probably shaded it in terms of the better chances on the day but i thought defensively we, we were good uh, Declan Rice had another great game um, and then it was very much like last season there was a nice little smash and grab take the 1-0 win and, and off we go back down to London so yeah a good a good, a good performance all round nice to bounce back after the Brentford disappointment um, yeah. and it could be the start of a, a big week with Gink coming up on Thursday and then Spurs on Sunday it could, could you know the perfect start to a, a big week at West Ham Absolutely, mate. Huge week coming up for West Ham United. Just to let everyone know what is coming up on this week's show for you. We'll have some post-match Everton reaction, which we recorded straight after the final whistle, which we don't always do. Uh, So we'll have that in the first part. We'll have the Betway Charity Bets, of course. Double opposition view. Uh, We're trying to tie down at the moment of recording this intro. We think we've got one tied down for Genk. We've certainly got one. Uh, tied down for Tottenham Hots. Uh, so we'll have those for you. We'll have Sam Williams section at the end as well before we say goodbye for another week. Loads coming up. Another brilliant win for West Ham United. What a time it is to be a hammer. Stay with us. We've got a brilliant show coming up next. <laughs> Classic smash and grab by West Ham United. West Ham United won Everton nil at Goodison Park. And uh, one of the, my favourite messages I've seen so far in my West Ham group chat uh, is that we run Goodison Park these days. Uh, James, uh, a brilliant win. A bit of a turgid game, to be quite honest with you. It had some strong Brentford vibes from it. Uh, I know Everton had a few players missing as well. Uh, it's a bit of a frustrating affair. But as we've seen so many times with with West Ham, where we used to say, oh, that just doesn't happen to West Ham. It does these days, isn't it? Under David Moyes, that team's got a completely different mentality. Um, I thought it was refereed really well. And Angelo Bonner popping up to get the winner deep into the second half. Absolutely brilliant stuff and a vital three points. Oh, mate, what what three points that is. That's... Um... Yeah, I think the key thing was the performance all round was good. We dominated them from from start to finish. I think maybe they had a, maybe a five or ten minute spell in the first half, and the same in the second. But ninety you percent know, of the game, we you know we dominated the ball. Uh, we had what what was normally the case last season was that we we struggled really to when we when other teams were allowing us to have the ball. We really struggled to create chances um, because we're more of a counter-attacking team, as are Everton. Um, and I think there are times in that game where we did struggle a little bit when we got into the final third to really sort of know really what to do. Um, and and as a result, particularly in the second half, I thought 
they're going to nick a winner here. Everton are going to nick this and they're not going to deserve it. Um, but thankfully, Big Angelo pops up and, and gets the winner and it's um, a second smash and grab at Goodison Park in, in two years and fully deserved, 100%, every single one of those players put in a shift and um, just glad we end, we've, we've come away from Goodison Park again with three points and we're sixth in the league again. Yeah, that's that's the huge thing, isn't it, mate? Particularly after Brentford, you know, it's so easy to look at that and go, oh, you know, if we if we'd beaten um, if we'd beaten Brentford, or sorry, if we'd got a draw at Brentford, we'd be fourth. But it's the same situation again, isn't it? It both of those both of those performances, if they'd both ended up draws, you wouldn't have been overly surprised, would you? But um, as we said, with with the games preceding that, like with the Man United one. Um, You'd have taken you'd taken the defeat at Brentford and then uh, the win at Everton, wouldn't you? I just thought, um, yeah, I, I just thought it was really felt really important to keep us in that that conversation in that top six and, and in and around there because you don't know what's going to happen at St James's Park uh, game that's kicking off imminently between Tottenham and Newcastle. Um, yeah, I think if we'd have lost that, then we've got some difficult games coming up. You sort of a little bit out of it and a little bit out of um, out of touch with it all, particularly with Everton, um, who would have uh, especially they'd have won. But um, you know they're up there as well, and we've we've leapfrogged them with the win. Yeah, it just felt really, really important, and it just felt again like last season at times. David Moyes delivers the three points when when West Ham need them at, at those vital times that sort of feel on a knife edge which come up a few times in a season but that keeps us well and truly in the mixer still doesn't it massively Everton are going to be in and around there I think um interestingly I was just after after that game finished I was doing a little bit of research you know I love my stats um this probably isn't a stat if you mentioned the letter x or g I'm logging off (laughs) no no um I won't I won't mention mention xg um I've not had time to look at that date yet but I'll get around <laughs> to it um interestingly we that was our 30th premier league game this calendar year and only six of those games we've ended we've we've finished the game outside of the top 6 really yeah. I was just going so, I was just going to have a go at you or not have a go I was just going to laugh and say just because you start a sentence with the word interestingly doesn't mean that what you're going to say is interesting but that but that's is interesting that is interesting yeah. mate yeah 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 and it, it was the first three games of the calendar year the the three wins we had against Everton Burnley and West Brom yeah um that was when we started climbing up and then ever since then we were we, we've been finishing every single game in the top 6 and then the three games preceding the one we've just seen against Everton, we finished outside the top six. Now we're back in the top six. So six games out of 30 this calendar year, we've um, we've not been in the top six, which yeah, is yeah. massive. Oh, James. <laughs> that's uh, that's uh, Opta Stats ringing you, see if you want a job, mate. That's it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's my mother-in-law. <laughs> Didn't she well, work for Opta? Uh... Yeah, 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 yeah. She's obviously uh, celebrating the win as well. No, that is fairly intriguing, to be honest, mate. And yeah, it just shows where we're at as a club at the moment. Uh, interestingly, you said then um, that you thought it was a dominant performance and all that sort of thing. I, I, I thought it was it was OK. It just looked like a lot of huffing and puffing. We didn't really create much, did we? Um, I think the overall, uh, the, the, the stats flashed up on about the hour mark um, and it was one all on shots on target after like 65 minutes or whatever it was. I, I didn't think, 
we didn't look particularly dangerous it's fair to say you know if if, if you just took the goal out of that and uh watch the highlights well actually i was just gonna say if you took the goal out of that and watch the highlights you'd think it was nil nil it's like well yes as you would in any game but uh it just didn't there wasn't loads and loads of chances, was there? West Ham ended the game having had four shots on target uh, to Everton's two. I think a lot of those, like I say, it was one all, I believe, on about the hour mark. And as the game opened up a little bit towards the end, we obviously got a couple more more efforts in. 16 shots for West Ham, 15 for Everton. I don't know what they were counting the shots. <laughs> Most of them were blocks, though, weren't they? Yeah, that's true, actually. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it just seemed like one of those where, like, it almost seemed a game where each team was fairly going to be fairly content with the point. Everton had a few injuries, didn't they? I didn't think they looked particularly dangerous. Obviously, if you had Dominic Calvert-Lewin instead of Solomon Rondon up front, what a moustache that was, by the way. Superb. Good yeah, effort. yeah, wonderful. Um, yeah, if you if you had Calvert-Lewin up top instead of him, um, and Richarlison obviously is a little bit more dangerous than Alex Iwobi, uh, I think, you know, a different team, but all it. This is a long way of saying I didn't think we were like great. We did okay at keeping the ball and and keeping possession. Everton typically a bit like us are more happy to let the other team have the ball anyway. Um, yeah, I, don't, I, I, I All I'm saying is I don't know if when you say oh, we definitely definitely deserved that. I, I, I'm almost sort of erring on the side of if either one did it was probably just about us. But a draw was probably fair. I think. Um, particularly in the first half, that first 20-25 minutes, we were really getting them behind their midfield, really mm-hmm. opening them up a little bit and you know, had our decision-making, as I've already said, had the decision-making in the final third being a little bit better, then, you know, we could have been three or four nil up, you know, quite easily, you know, every time. <laughs> three we were, or four? Had, had our decision-making been better because we were getting them right. behind Decore so many times. Um, Declan Rice was, was bossing that midfield and I just felt like, as, as I've already said, you know, when we're when we're made to dominate possession, we do struggle a little bit in that final third. And had we been a little bit better, then, you know, I think it would have looked a lot better than actually probably what it was. But I still mm. thought we, we we played very, very well. I don't think, I don't think had Everton got, it was got f- had Everton say Nick's a winner um, instead of us, I think it probably yeah. would have been a little bit harsh. Yeah, no, that's what I do now, now, James. I said if either team deserved it, it was probably us. But I think on the balance of it, it was probably fair. I mean, it was a first half of two halves, wasn't it? Um, I don't think that's going to take on um, as a as a football cliche as much as game of two halves. However, like you mentioned there, we did come out the blocks well. They started in similar fashion to how we did against Brentford. Uh, mm-hmm. But then in the second half of that first half, I think we were pretty lucky for to go in at one all Solomon Rondon's header in the second half. I think it was where it was just inches past the post. A couple of big blocks in there from Ogbonna. Iwobi has the one in the first half where he inexplicably stepped over the ball rather than slotting it in from six yards out. Um, 40 million quid was good value for um, Alex Iwobi from Arsenal, wasn't it? Um, yeah, I'd, you know what I mean? if Put it this way. If you're trudging home from Goodison Park at the moment, you'd be going... What the hell? How have we yeah. like? How have we lost that? How have we not got anything out of that game? Bit of a drab game, like the chances that did fall. Um, I, I would argue they arguably had the slightly better chances, perhaps. Particularly the obviously that doesn't show up in the stats when Iwobi just decides 
he's, yeah, he's, I'm not going to finish this from six yards out. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just thought delighted, delighted with the fashion of it. And I, what's funny, James, I don't know about you, in Moyes' era, in games like that, so often now, unlike my uh, previous days of, of following West Ham, when we're in games like that, I th- I'm just like, well, if anyone's going to nick it, we will, because that's what we do these days. And the mentality is different. And it just seems less stressful watching us, even in games like that, where they can go either way. I'm almost erring on the side of, well, we're either going to win or we'll just hold on for a draw. We almost seem too disciplined these days to let stupid, annoying things happen. I know it happened at Man- against Man United earlier in the season. Um and even then, you know, we were one kick away from getting something out of the game. Yeah. We just don't seem, we don't always seem on the edge of it all going to pot anymore. No, I agree. I think one thing Moyes has done is just he's he's built a level of professionalism within the squad, um, resilience. And he's just, yeah, the players know their job. You know, even in those last 10 minutes, I thought, I thought there was times when in the past you may have expected someone, you know, one player to be caught out of position, not being where they should be, ball popping out, um, but ball, ball, the ball coming in from across and someone's out of position and it lands a, a, an Everton player and, and they get an equaliser. But instead, Declan Rice was still cutting out crosses from Townsend in the, in the 93rd minute. You know, he was still in the right place at the right time. There was just so much discipline so much professionalism throughout from every single player. Um, so yeah, yeah, I think that's one thing. One of the positives on the Moyes over the last two years is that he's just instilled just like instilled a level of a level of professionalism that every single football football team should have. Yeah, yeah. like yeah, it's, it should be it should just be like the bare minimum Standard. of a football club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And you, you don't see it very often with many football clubs. No. You only really see it in top six football clubs. Um, and yes, we've, we've yeah. got that at the moment where you know that you go one new up, the likelihood is you're going to see it out or you might concede an unlucky late goal or something like that. Mm. Um, but you know that if you do concede a goal, it's not going to be through your own fault. It's going to have to come from a bit of quality. Yeah, which you, um, I, I honestly don't mind that. Do you, yeah. you know what I mean? Lingard yeah. bends one in the top right corner the other week and you think, yeah, and it's like, well, fair enough, okay. good effort. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've done well there. That's a bit of good football that we've been beaten by. But um, yeah, I, t- I totally agree. And it's staggering, isn't it? How, uh, I suppose that's what they say, don't they? You know, I know money buys you quality, but money buys you consistency as well, doesn't it? Players yeah. like, you know, N'Golo Kante and all that sort of thing. He's a world-class player. And the reason he's a world-class player is because every single time he steps on the pitch, he does all the simple things to almost perfect level, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Right infallible time in time out and on that note as well mate I thought um, Declan Rice was absolutely phenomenal today I've seen some immediate Twitter reaction uh, people are suggesting Ben Johnson was man of the match I thought Johnson did very well but again I, I think it may be people are sort of bored of saying it or it's getting a bit unfashionable because it's boring to say it but I thought Declan Rice was head and shoulders above everyone today just mm. Just didn't seem to put anything wrong, cutting loads of stuff out, getting us on the um, like transfer in play from defence to attack really efficiently. Um, yeah, I just thought he was he was brilliant. What what was interesting with Declan Rice is that um, they he and Suchek had reverted to 
their roles that they had so 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 many times last season. Um, quite often this season, you know, we've you know we've been said on what last week's podcast in particular about Suchek's form, and maybe is it because Deccan Rice has been given license to get forward? Mm. Um, but it was the other way around, like they switched it back to to the norm to today. And um, I thought Deccan Rice, like I mean, he can play both roles perfectly, like really really well. But today he's just so good, just sitting there behind, allowing Suchek to go forward. Breaking up play, just reading the game so well. Um, so yeah, just another masterclass from him. Energy to burn at the end as well, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. And when Suchet goes off, that's when he can go forward and we change yeah. the system, went five at the back, and that allowed him to get forward on the counter attack. And hmm. I loved it when Ogbonna got the goal and everyone ran over to Ogbonna and he ran towards the West Ham fans. <laughs> yeah, no. and for I a minute, I was like, have... where's he running to? And then realised that's where the fans are sitting. It's like, fair yeah, play, yeah. He must have thought that uh, Ogbonna was going. That way, mustn't he? Yeah, yeah. Like, he just sort of led it and then turns around like, oh, see you later. Um, Jonesy, incidents in the game we're going to talk about the uh the uh, the, the corner award in the build-up to West Ham's goal when Antonio goes up uh with Pickford, uh, the notoriously flappable Pickford in the ace. Strange, looks almost perfect for England when he plays. Puts an Everton shirt on. It just seems like he's playing down the park on a Sunday with his mates. Um, That, the Rondon stamp on Thomas Suchek, and I use that word advisedly. We'll talk about that. You're obviously going to disagree with me already. And the introduction of Andre Yarmolenko and his one touch on the ball being to give the ball straight back to Everton when yeah. they were in the, like the ninety second minute. So exactly. Doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. When they were pressing. It's generally I, and the podcast title last week was uh, Yamo the Troll Strikes Again and the years he's just trolling West Ham fans now I'm telling you. Had that cheeky little grin on his face as David Moyes went to bring him off the bench. He goes, Oh, I know what I'm gonna do here. I'm gonna make everyone nervous. <laughs> um but yeah we'll start I think um obviously any anything else that you think I've missed there, Jonesy, do let me know. But we'll start with the Jordan Pickford, Mikhail Antonio uh, incident. For me, absolutely no debate whatsoever. Uh, it was just was a it was a corner. It wasn't a foul. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't make for very good uh, content, podcast content. I appreciate <laughs> that. If we just go, yeah, yeah, you're right. But no conversation at all for me. It's no conversation, you know, especially when you see the replays. Um, but even in real time, it looked like a corner. Like, even without having seen the replays, it looked like Pickford got the last touch. And had had the referee or the line out gone, no, that's a foul on Pickford, it would have been harsh. But, you know, you see those all the time. You know, the mm. goalkeepers get so much protection from referees. So, if anything, it was refreshing that it wasn't given as a foul. Definitely. Um, it was yeah, quite yeah. nice to see, actually. You know, this it's... It should be that, you know, it's still two players in the 50-50 duel, aerial duel, exactly the One's same as the allowed to use his arms. Exactly. <laughs> if anything, you should give benefit of the doubt to the, to, to the attacking player because mm. he can't use his hands in that, in that contest. So I think it was the right decision. There was no contest. And um, I'm pretty sure angry Everton fans who, who, who weren't happy with the decision will, will probably agree once they've seen the replay. But, yeah, I, I think, you know, it was, a, it was actually... It was a good decision because you would yeah. some of those they would have been given as a goal kick as well. Yeah, so, yeah. I thought the whole um, game was. Yeah, you're right, mate. On both counts. Yeah, I, I thought the whole game was refereed really well as well. By mm. the way, it's just yeah, yeah. I oh mean, come on, behave after Peter Banks against Brentford. I, I mean, no one, no one gets anywhere close to Peter Banks, mate. Peter Banks is the worst referee I've ever seen in my life. Um, <laughs> but who was it? Was it 
another Peter. Was it Peter Walton today? I think it was. I think it's Peter. It was, I don't know. Something. No, Walton. Peter um, Walton's the, the bloke who's about seventy-five on BT Sport. Oh, it might. It might be him. I don't know. <laughs> it could have been him. Um, I don't know what he's. I don't know who the referee was. To be fair, but um, I thought booking Antonio in the first half. For, I mean, yeah, he's, he's tried to buy a free kick, but like it's ten minutes into the game, mate. I like, just basically warn him. No, he's not. He wasn't even dying for a penalty. He was outside the box. Yeah, but an um, offence is an offence at whatever time yeah, of the game but, it is, isn't it? I don't know. I think it was, it was a bit harsh. And then, they, and then he didn't book Godfrey for doing the exact same thing in the second in the, later on, or in the second half, I think it was. Um, Again, so, um, I, I did. I was a little bit with you on that, but then if you look, Antonio pushes or touches him a little bit. The only difference was Antonio wasn't touched at all, was he? But I don't think just saying because it was ten minutes in, that shouldn't be a yellow. That's no, not how it works. I mean, if it was in the, I think, I think also if it was in the box, you go, yeah, okay, fair enough. But it's outside the box. Um, <laughs> I just thought it was a bit that. harsh. The same thing with Fonau's yellow. Fonau's hasn't, you know, he's not. It was his first offence. Yeah, he's, that was he's got well he's harsh. got a bit of the ball and then he's booked him. Um, it's just a couple of just silly little decisions like that. I thought that you know, ruins it for me because it's like, you know, when you're booking a player for 10 minutes and then you're booking a player for losing a 50-50 challenge, um, like, come on. Like, just a little bit silly for me. <laughs> right. First of all, then, Antonio gets booked it's a dive. It doesn't matter where it is in the game. So, <laughs> no conversation on that. If you, if you that was it... one, it's, I did think that was harsh. He did slide in. I don't know, 50-50 is probably a little bit claret and blue tinted specs maybe but um <laughs> like he's tried to intercept the ball yeah definitely not a yellow that but then like i say the the big call later in the game with pickford um got correct on two counts wasn't a foul and it was a corner um and then uh yeah other than that i thought the game flowed quite nicely it's just so refreshing this season to see other than against brentford um see like sort of niggly little fouls or Niggly little comings together always resulting in fouls. That doesn't happen anymore for both sides, West Ham and Everton. There was a few times we lost the ball, just got shoved off it, and the game plays on, and you can't just call for them because they're against your own team. Um, yeah, I just, I, I thought, I, all, all in all, I thought, uh, Stuart Atwell it was, by the way, I thought he had a good game. Yeah, I think, I think you're right in that, that there were a lot of, it was, there was a lot of physical. 50-50s and challenges where players were sort of like jostling for possession where hmm. you know, other games you do see them go one way or the other um, and he, he did tend to let the game go um, and let those challenges slide a little bit but there were, I don't know I just, there were times in the game where I was thinking what on earth is he doing? Like, just, yeah I mean you can't have been thinking that that often If I think about it once it sticks with me because I, I like Early on, after maybe, the Antonio book, maybe, maybe it's maybe it's Peter Banks still haunting me from a couple of weeks <laughs> yeah, ago, and it's just it is, mate. it's like it's made me just really frust- get frustrated with referees easier than I should. Just do. on edge, yeah, 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 really sensitive to it whenever it happens. Well, look, fair enough. One thing as well that's funny about that um, about the corner because of when it happened, Jordan Pickford like does as usual whenever he has to do anything in a game, even though he's a goalkeeper and that's what he's paid to do, did his usual of getting up and just angrily screaming at anyone within five yards of him for no apparent reason. And uh, yeah, when he <laughs> he did the usual then, he, he, he flapped at a couple earlier in the game, didn't he, aerial, yeah. um, aerial balls? And uh, so he does that. And I thought, brilliant. Antonio 
almost deliberately left space between him. Brilliant jump. I think Pickford should have tried to punch it rather than uh, catch it from there anyway. But um, yeah, when he does that and then the ref rightfully gives a corner, he then gets up and just screams at anyone again for, for no reason whatsoever, uh, despite the fact that the call was right. And I did say, as we're watching the game with my dad as I often do, and uh, I did say, it will be funny if we score here though, won't it? After all of that. <laughs> <laughs> when Ogbonna uh, rose at the near post, I thought... Um, I thought it was an OG. I thought um, Ben Godfrey had nodded it in his own net somehow. Nah, from, it was definitely Ogbonna. Definitely Ogbonna. But do you, do you know what first annoys me at Goodison Park, though, is the blue nets. Yeah? The blue nets. Because sometimes it's very difficult to know whether the ball's gone in the back of the net or not or whether it's gone behind. Because right. the net's kind of mould into the background. Um, yeah. So I had a delayed reaction. Like I saw Ogbonna get his head to it, but it looked like it had gone past the post rather than in the net very split second um, yeah. so that's another thing I'm annoyed about I mean I don't know why I'm so annoyed I can't I know. Know. it's a religious one one nil at way a ground yeah. we've historically yeah. never win at I'm, I'm buzzing I'm, I'm absolutely buzzing with the result but just annoyed about the nets I don't know why <laughs> well uh, yeah you were getting confused there I, I cheered because I saw it go in but I just thought it was an Everton player who had uh, who had done it um so we've we've done the the goal there, mate. The the stamp on Suchek. So they're coming together. Uh, Suchek involved in a little tussle in the middle of the pitch with two Everton players, one being Salomon and Rondon. Suchek goes down, and then he's holding his face for ages uh, afterwards as Everton play on, and the referee doesn't call it back, even though it's like he's holding his face slash head. So that's against the rules anyway. Um, Actually, maybe you're right, James. An awful refereeing performance. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, the game plays on, uh, goes back to him, blood pouring from Suchek's face. And the replay, I, I was stunned. The VAR didn't even have a look at it. I, it. For me, Rondon's leg there, his boot connects right with Suchek's face, which is dangerous enough anyway, so play should have been stopped primarily. But Second to that, it was, it didn't look like a natural position for his leg to be in for me. And I wouldn't have been surprised at all if, if there'd been a red card given. So in, in real time, as soon as I saw Suchek react, I thought, oh, that, that looks like that. I'll go back for that, VIR, whatever, look. But I haven't seen the replay. I don't know. I don't think he's meant it. He's, got the, he's moved his foot to gain a little bit of balance and he's caught him. Um, and I think, yeah, VAR's obviously looked at the replay before double checking it and seen it and just gone, yeah, fine. Like, I don't think it was deliberate. But then again, at the same time, had they gone to VAR and decided to send him off, you kind of probably wouldn't have been surprised. Um, but I don't think I don't think it was a red card, mate. I thought, no? Yeah, I thought it was it was accidental. He just happened mm. to be on the floor when he went to move his leg for a bit of balance. Because he was in it possession, looked- wasn't he, really? Oh yeah. Just looked a bit of an unnatural. It, it looked like his leg went further back than it would normally, if you know what I mean. But apparently not. I don't know why we're both like completely disagreeing with each other, but coming at different incidents <laughs> from completely different <laughs> angles yeah. uh, this afternoon. I think one thing is that we're agreed on, Jonesy, is that we're delighted the West Ham have got three points. And yeah, uh, Andre Armalenko. Don't know if it counts as a as a main incident of the game, but. He, he come on, didn't he, with one minute of stoppage time to go. And uh, I was like, ah, oh, 
even just him coming on for a minute makes me nervous. Um, and he comes on and <laughs> gets the ball in an advanced position as we're trying to see the game out. And rather than controlling it and just running it into the corner, which he easily could, or tried to bring uh, Pablo Fornells, I think it was, um, who was still on the pitch, or Antonio, whoever was nearby, bringing them into play and, and perhaps just shepherding it and keeping the ball in the corner. He just like half volley cushioned the ball to no one at all, straight back to the Everton centre half. They break, win a corner and nearly get a flipping equaliser as the referee's playing about five extra minutes on top of the uh, four that was <laughs> originally uh, put up on the board. It's just, just the ban is baffling. The pass was almost like he was playing old in midfield for Everton and he was just cushioned it down and going to the centre half and that corner and play the ball. Yeah, on, yeah, play, yeah. play the ball. <laughs> I mean, when it happened, I was like, I don't even know what he was thinking when the, when the ball came to him. Like, surely, as a an international footballer, you know, like, okay, there's a minute left. They won you up. I mean, technically almost in the final third of the opposition. I'm going to mm-hmm. run to, I'm, I'm going to bring this ball down and run to the corner flag or try mm-hmm. to. Um, actually, no, go on, I'll just pass it back to them. Why not? Yeah, 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 yeah. Why not? You have it back, lads. Yeah. Go on, go on, Everton. Let's see what you can do in the last 30 seconds. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it was a strange one, um, especially after scoring two and then the national break comes back for us, plays 30 seconds and already does something wrong, which is just weird. <laughs> Bless him. Never mind, never mind. Well, we held on for the win anyway, which is good. Thought Jared Bowen, mate, um, obviously a few stories coming out in the week about his, uh, his, his love life involved with Danny Dyer, by all accounts, uh, Love Island star, not the EastEnders barman. Um, I don't think he was the EastEnders, ba- EastEnders barman's daughter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't yeah. think he was coming out of Danny pictured coming out of Danny Dyer's senior's house <laughs> one nah. morning, uh, last week, but I mean, Hey, they might still be in the family home. You never know. Do you? Cause that's <laughs> Right. But uh, yeah, I thought he was brilliant. Again, he's a different player. So is Pablo Fornells. Lots of great work off the ball. Every time, it's almost like whenever what I found with Fornells today, whenever Everton were in possession, if you'd have paused the, the frame, right? Um, I know I've come up with a couple of weird analogies today, but if you'd have paused the frame, taken Fornells off, and you'd then you got to pick like the ideal position for Pablo Fornells to be, in a freeze frame when Everton had the ball, wherever you'd put him in a dream position, he always seemed to be there in real life. It's just, if you were playing FIFA or whatever, wherever you were controlling your player and wanting him to run while the other team had the ball, Fornells was there all the time. It's like unglamorous work, but that, I mean, he's been good at very that intelligent. since he came anyway. He's a very intelligent yeah, player, exactly, he? mate. Yeah. yeah. Knowing where he wants to be, just to make the right back or the centre-halves have to think a couple of times and, kill the momentum a bit, let his teammates get in by a, his teammates a second or two behind him to get into position. Just so often, he was just so good at that today. Um, I thought he was brilliant. Jared Bowen um, <clears throat> was his usual. I think it was his corner as well, was it not? Did he get the assist? I think he swung yeah, the corner might have been. in. might have been, yeah. yeah. He, was taking, he was taking the corners over on that right-hand side, wasn't he? So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thought Cresswell had a good game. Um, Ogbonna and Zuma, some big, big blocks from both of them at different um, at different times. They seem to be getting on really well and striking up a uh, an encouraging relationship. And yeah, and Ben Johnson as well. So on a on a game that was a little bit of a, a turgid watch, no one really had a, t- a terrible game, did they? 
Nah, other, than si- other, yeah, other than Yarmolenko. Yeah, other than Yarmolenko. But yeah, there wasn't a single player that that really put a foot wrong. I thought... Suchek slightly? Sorry? Suchek, did you think he's improved slightly? Yeah, we... He still looked a little bit rusty, but... I mean, he's probably he's probably knackered after playing 180 yeah. minutes over the last two weeks, but um, he did improve because he was in that he was in that new, well, the, the old role that he would normally play. Obviously, mm. Bryson, they, they switched again. He had his goal ruled out for offside in the first yeah. half. Um, clear, wasn't it? Clear. Yeah, offside. it was clear. But yeah, I thought every single player. I thought Ben Rama, it was quiet, but still didn't really put mm. put a foot wrong. He had a couple of really good flashes of brilliance um, in both halves. Um, so yeah, I thought every single player put put a shift in, and we're kind of used to that now, aren't we? It's very rarely that you know. We, we can no, that's look back it, at a game and go, oh, that player had a poor game or four or five mm. players were off were off the game, you know. Mm. Every single week, it's like every single player put a shift in. Yeah, um, no, you're right. And, and made a difference. So, yeah, uh, decent all-round happy days. Who's your man of the match then? I'm, I'm going to give it to Zuma. Yeah? Yeah, right. I thought he was just Over so Over Ogbonna? Yeah, I thought he was... Yeah, Ogbonna got the goal. Um, I just thought Zuma were just just solid all round. Thought, yeah, made some very very important blocks. Mm. Read the game really really well. Dealt with Rondon when he needed to. Um, yeah, I thought he was. I thought he was the better player on the day. Fair play, mate. Fair play. Well, I'm going to give it to Declan. Uh, but uh, tip of the hat to Ben Johnson as well and Lucas yeah. Fabianski. Any questions or any emotional hangover he might have had from playing his last ever game from Poland? People suggesting he might. Finally be out the team for Areola. Proved all those people wrong again. Uh, thought he was solid. Yeah, happy days. Nice little smash and grab. Uh, dominant performance at Goodison Park once again. And uh, yeah, according to Jonesy, that is. Um, but come away with three points, six in the table. Happy days. Is there anything else, James? Go on. You got Just on, on Ben Johnson. I thought he'd, he'd have been well worthy of the man of the match award. But I think the one thing I've taken away from that performance from him is that it's, it's nice to know that we've got cover there that we can rely mm. on. Sue Fowles injured. We don't know how long he's out for, um, which is a blow. Uh, but we know that we can now rely on Johnson. Obviously, we've got Fredericks as well and you know he's injured as well. But it's nice to know that we've got someone in there that we can trust to step up at, at, at that level and put in a solid performance every single week when he's needed. Because um, he's still relatively inexperienced. He's only, what, I don't think he's even played 30 games for us in all competitions. Mm. So, Great performance from him. Um, and I'm sure Moyes would be happy that he, he's got another player there that he can trust to step in when he needs it. Yeah, totally agree, mate. Saying Sufal, wasn't it? So still got a, apparently the injury he picked up in the Man United Cup game. Uh, he's saying he's still got a hangover from that. So um, didn't look on it at all against Brentford. I was surprised he didn't give Johnson the game against Brentford, mm. to be quite honest. But yeah, absolutely agree, mate. He looked brilliant. And uh, I don't want to play, you know, I don't want this to turn into a game of one upmanship here or top trumps or anything like that. Um, but interestingly, uh, that was the first time. West Ham have won successive league games at Goodison Park for the first time since 1930. How's that? Woof. That's, yeah. Yeah, like that. That was worthy of an interesting league, wasn't it, at the beginning? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll give you that one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Top man, top man. Well, look, happy days, mate. Three points uh, at Goodison Park. Uh, the start, or the end of the, well, the end of the week, I suppose, but it feels like the start with, um, with Genk coming up. 
again on Thursday. It's a bit weird recording them on Sunday, isn't it? Lose my bearings a little bit, mate. But uh, look, happy mm. days. West Ham, three points. Sixth in the table, still massive. Stay with us. Betway Charity Bets next. <laughs> Fantastic win for West Ham United at Goodison Park on Sunday. Smash and grab 100%. Um, enjoyable Sunday as well for me, Jonesy. Feet up watching the Hammers win. Unfortunately, though, we didn't manage to get a win in the Betway Charity Bets this week. Uh, I think one of us, I can't remember who, you can run through uh, those bets that were our selections for the Everton game shortly mate I think one of us might have had Zuma to score rather than Ogbonna so kind of on the right track there um what can you just run us through first of all mate um what me you and Reese went for with our 50 pound each charity stake that we received from Betway for each one of West Ham's Premier League games yeah so I was miles off over two and a half goals Vlasic to score or assist and Suchet to score any time so I was miles out like oh, Vladic, wasn't it? Oh, Vladic, yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, Reese under two and a half, so we got that one in, but he had Zuma to score and he had a penalty to be awarded, so only one out of three for, for Reese. Yeah. And you had a correct score, one all, under 11 and under 11 and a half corners, which was also wrong. There was about 16 mm. or 17. Though. Yeah, it was loads, wasn't there? Um, but you did get over over 0.5 goals in the second half, so you had, again, mm. one out of three. So, um, yeah, all miles off this week, I'm afraid. Well, hang on a minute. I had one all correct score, um, but so it's only one goal away from that. Easily could have happened. The goals come in the second half, as I said they would, and oh, I was literally miles out. I couldn't understand <laughs> that. The corners, yeah. the corners is such a crazy one because normally I've always overestimate them massively, and then you get to the end of the game, and there's been four corners. It was just non-stop today, wasn't it? Every yeah. two minutes there was someone <laughs> swinging one in from the wide areas. Um, but yeah, I did think the old one all was going to come in. It was only when I checked in the se- deep into the second half after we scored. I wasn't quite sure on the corners and we already had 12. And I was like, ah, oh, brilliant. <laughs> um, but yeah, so no wins this week. But um, yeah, not quite as close as we have been in weeks past. Uh, Jonesy, we've got a massive game. West Ham United uh, against Tottenham on Sunday again, Sunday two o'clock. I quite like that slot, that Sunday two o'clock slot. It's not too bad, certainly better than the four o'clock one. It means you can get in the pub after and watch the late one. Well, yeah, there is that, mate. Yeah. Um, Sunday, Tottenham at home, 2 pm at the London Stadium. Uh, what have we gone for this week? Give me yours first, uh, then I'll give you mine. You can tell me Reese's as well. So I've gone both teams to score. Over two and a half goals and Antonio any time. The odds will probably be quite low on this one, but Antonio loves scoring against Spurs, doesn't he? So mm. had to go with that. Um, I definitely think there'll be goals. Um, and yeah, both teams will score. I see Spurs scoring at some point. Yeah, fair enough, mate. Fair enough. Uh, I have gone for Declan Rice any time. Harry Kane to score any time and more than two and a half goals in the game. Harry Kane... He's just scored his first one of the season away at Newcastle after a VAR decision ruled in his favour. Clear onside, really, once you look at it back. Uh, to put Tottenham 2-1 up at Newcastle after the Geordies went 1-0 up early on through Callum Wilson. Uh, yeah, I've just got that horrible feeling if Kane, especially as he started finding his shooting boots uh, against Tottenham. Uh, sorry, for Tottenham, I mean. Um, he does 
quite like a goal against West Ham, doesn't he? So fancy him for one. Uh, yeah, Declan Rice. I don't know. I've just got that. I mean, he's already a hero, isn't he? I've just, uh, it's sort of one that he, he hasn't got in his locker so far as a goal against Spurs. Um, I've just got, got a funny feeling. And I know he's playing a bit more defensively and all that sort of thing, but he did have that one opportunity today, didn't he, when he like, skied it about 400 uh, miles over the crossbar but um yeah big game like that um i can just picture it now mate wheeling away jubilant uh to the raucous london stadium crowd as he puts west ham 2-1 up in the 84th minute this is oh. exactly what i think is gonna happen you just see it now mate just see it now um yeah and uh what's reese gone for reese has gone both teams to score as well sue check to score and penalty awarded Loves a penalty award at the moment, doesn't he, Reese? Yeah, he's gone for that a few times recently. We haven't really come close, have we? Like this this week, not even nowhere near a shout for a pen, was there? Apart no. from when Jordan Pickford brutally assaulted Mikel Antonio in the build-up to our goal. That's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, fingers crossed. Um, just a reminder, of course, that uh, we get a fifty-pound charity stake from Betway each and every week to put on a three-leg um, bet of our choice for each and every West Ham Premier League game this season. And the winnings of any of those winning bets go to the charities that we are playing for. I am playing for the Bobby Moore Fund. James is playing for the DT thirty-eight Dylan Tombidi's Foundation. And Reese Bayliss is playing for Isla's fight. Uh, good stuff, Jonesy. Fingers crossed. I like the sound of a few of those. And I say that every week. But um, yeah, just got a feeling this week. Don't forget as well, uh, you can back the bets yourself for real, if you so wish, on the Betway website or app. Just go to the West Ham Tottenham game. The odds for this game will probably come out around for Thursday or Friday, probably Friday for a Sunday game. Um, just go to the West Ham Tottenham game and then under pre-built bets, you'll find the We Are West Ham podcast selections. They'll have mine, Reese Bayliss's or James Jones's name uh, against those. And like I say, you can back them yourself if you so wish. We're getting through this pretty rapidly. Jonesy, stay with us because we've got a couple of opposition views next. <laughs> So after that smash and grab victory against Everton at Goodison Park on Sunday, we now look forward to our third ever Europa League group stage game. Our second one at home. We've had a superb start, as everyone knows, to our Europa League campaign. And this time we welcome Belgium side Genk. And I'm delighted to say that I'm joined by Tim Oliver from the Tyrell Talks podcast to give us the full lowdown on everything Genk and help us just understand a little bit more about what we're what we're due to expect from from the Belgium outfit on Thursday night. Tim Oliver, thanks very much for joining us. Hey James, uh, thanks a lot for bringing me on. Uh, it's a pleasure. Before we start, just let us know a little bit about us about a podcast where our users or, or our listeners can can if, if you know if, if we do have some listeners in Belgium. So if anyone wants to check your podcast out, where can they find you? Uh, you can find us uh, on uh, terriltalks.castos.com. That's actually like the, the main uh, online player we have. Otherwise, you can find us on Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, the, the usual bunch. And we're also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just follow us, Talks. That's T-E-R-R-I-L, and then Talks uh, in one word. 
And it's uh, it's a, a purely purely about Genk, or is it about Belgian football in yeah, general? Yeah, uh, for the moment we're still the only the only KRC Genk podcast in Belgium, uh, also the first one. Um, so yeah, we we enjoy a, a, a pretty broad listening base when it comes to uh, Genk fans. Uh, pretty happy about that. Um, and people uh, inside the club are also uh, are also fans. So that's uh, that's that's pretty neat. Great stuff. Well, looking at uh, to, to Thursday night, see as we know, West Ham have had a, a faultless start so far in our first Europa League campaign. Genk, uh, a late winner on the opening opening uh, ga- uh, week uh, game against Vienna, and then uh, disappointing three 0 defeat to Zagreb on the second time round. But in the league, you know, Genk is sixth. Looks like West Ham are in the Premier League, and in the Belgium League, you're, you're sixth in the league. How's the season gone so far for you guys? Uh, well, the season started off pretty pretty decent. We were playing some good football, um, getting some results in, but we never really managed to um, to become that stable top uh, top tier side uh, that we want to become. Because um, last year we won the cup, and this year uh, over the summer we we managed to keep all of our best players. Uh, we've even got um, got some reinforcements coming in. So on paper we've got maybe the best. Uh, the best squad we've had in years and um, so everybody's expecting a lot um, and then to see that we're just sixth uh, right now is actually a bit disappointing um, we, we've got uh, we've got such a such a broad squad that the coach can can easily rotate um, and prioritize other other games um, when when you know when there's a big Euro, Euro, European fixture coming um, but yeah, um, in the last five games, uh, we've only won uh, once. We've lost the four others, including the game against Zagreb. Um, and the biggest issue is our defense. We've um, we've been let, letting in goals left and right. Uh, while last season our defense was one of our uh, one of our true strengths. Um, so to be honest, we're we're not traveling uh, to West Ham to the Olympic Stadium uh, with uh, with a lot with a lot of confidence. To be fair. So, so what is the expectation then for for the fans? Because you know, it sounds like you're in a very similar situation as West Ham, that the best best group of players you've had for quite some time, um, you know, competing in at least the top half of the table, but trying to push on. You're playing in Europe. Um, our expectations of Stan fans are just, you know, let's stay, let's at least compete in the top half of the table and then see if we can go further. Is that similar or are you kind of hoping, given you've gipped all your best players over the summer, kind of hoping for top four and beyond? Yeah, beyond, uh, especially if, um, if we compare it. Yeah, um, with with KRC Genk last year, we won the cup and we were vice champions. Um, so if you manage to improve your, your whole squad, you would expect us to at least make a run for the title. Um, so and that would be to rival Club Brugge, who are who are you know really exceeding themselves and, uh, and and exceeding all expectations. Also in the Champions League, so they're a very good outfit. But then uh, if we have to compete with them and we're only in sixth, we're 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 just as many points away from the first place as we are from the last place. So we're actually when it comes to points, we're we're right in the middle. Um, and I believe the last, uh, if you look at the, at the points right now, we've got 17 points out of the 33 that we could have gotten. So that's disappointing uh, that we're not uh, in a position to compete for the title. Okay, the season's pretty long and I'll, I'll, I'll save you the details, uh, but the Belgian uh, um, league format is, is pretty weird. So actually you can still, you can start playing really good in March and still make a good run for the title. Um, but for the moment we're looking very far from that confidence is uh is at an uh, at a very low low point for the moment I was going to say cuz you're only 5 points off the top 
mm-hmm. after just yeah. eleven games. So yeah, um, it's not not all all over a doom and gloom just yet. No, it's not. But if you if you really know um, all the things that happened, uh, the amount of of uh, last minute equalizers and last minute uh, goals that beat us. Uh, to, I mean, b- before the international break, uh, we played a game against uh, against a much smaller team, both economically and and with quality. Uh, we were leading one uh, two until the 89th minute against 10 players, uh, so we were one man up. And um, we lost 3-2. We conceded two goals in the last three minutes against 10, uh, against a much weaker side who are playing good football this season. But still, those are things you have to take home. And I think uh, we made the calculations. Um, last minutes or, or last five minutes, let's say, equalizers and, 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 and goals cost us 16 points. So if we could just, you know, take it, you know, if, if we could up our... Our game management, uh, as one would say, uh, you know, uh, kick out a ball or 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 create or commit a foul to just stop the game and and reorganize. Um, if we would be a bit smarter on that, yeah, we could have we could have had a lot more points than what we have right now. I mean, we might have even been top of the table, and things would have been very diff- different. Mm. Um, but now that's that's not the case. So um, last last weekend uh, we lost two uh, zero at Charleroi. Which is always a difficult away. Um, I think it might be the the rainy night in Stoke uh, equivalent <laughs> in Belgium. Um, but still, the way we lost to a to a Charleroi team that weren't superior to us, um, and then the, the the lack of mentality uh, and the lack of, of of spirits is starting to creep into the players' heads. Um, so they were not able after we went down one one nil. They were not able to to get themselves back. Um, and the second half was again one of the most atrocious things that I've that I've witnessed from Genk in in a long time. Wow, blimey! You mentioned uh, briefly earlier about keeping up with your best players, and and one of those players um, has been heavily linked with a move to West Ham, particularly from the beginning of the summer, but going into January in Paul Onomatu. Um, so it were eleven and fifteen in all competitions already this mm-hmm. season. Um, also linked with Southampton as well. And West Ham seem to be, I mean, we're desperate to buy a striker. So it looks like David Moyes wants him. Sort of, what can you what can you tell us about him? Because, you know, he's relatively unknown to, mm-hmm. to fans in England. And I think West Ham fans are looking at his stats and going, cool, yeah, wouldn't mind him at, at West Ham. Uh, it would be a great addition to your team, uh, to, to probably any prem- Premier League side. Um, he's he's a true ph- phenomenal. Like, you see him, he's like two, two, two metres tall. He weighs, I don't know, 90 kilo. Um, so you would expect like, okay, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a, you know, up front, he's a target man. He just hangs around in the box, waits for the cross, but he, the way he drops into the, into the, into the half space where you would expect 10 uh, and the way he, he, he deviates balls. Um, he, he, like sometimes he could like in, with one touch, uh, play a Kevin De Bruyne like pass to the, to one of the flanks and he mm. would start to run towards the, the, the edge of the, towards the, the the penalty dot let's say and he would get across and he would finish it off so he's actually i mean he could he he starts attacks and finishes them all by himself um but you can also place ball uh, towards him in his feet um one guy behind him two two guys behind him they just can't pull him down they can't get the ball away from him um he knows how to dribble i've seen him i've seen him dribble guys with you know like dummies and and step overs he he really does that i'm not saying that he's going to do it to the defenders in the Premier League but you know the potential is probably there um, so good with his feet good positioning uh, great passing and then yeah headers if you give 
if you give off five uh, great crosses in one game, which we failed to do for some reason right now, at least one of them is going to hit the back of the net. Um, so when when he came to our team from uh, the Danish side Midtjylland, uh, they said, yeah, he he became a cult player at them at at, mm. at Midtjylland. He's doing the same here as well. You know, week after week we we saw him play, and, and even when our game or, or the way we played started to de- de- deteriorate as well, um, he was still playing his match and scoring goals and and, and pulling us through. Um, but now, yeah, you need uh, he needs. Uh, um, he needs the passes to come through. He needs the crosses to come through uh, because he can't do everything on his own. But I'm pretty sure that with the with the talent that you've got in the, in midfield, um, uh, and and maybe he can steal some things of Marcus and Antonio on a training. I think West Ham would be a yeah, it would be a great next destination for him, and we would, and we will be very proud um, if we see him do it. Well, that's some some appraisal. Um, I think pretty much our listeners will be desperate for David Moyes and David Sullivan to, to get in the market in January to, to, to sign Paul and Uacho after that. Um, let's look ahead to, to, to Thursday night. How, how do you see this one playing out? Um, and kind of what, what you're expecting to, to experience at, at London Stadium? Um, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm I'm going to try to do this as balanced as I can and uh, to be respectful of my own team. That is. But um, like I said, the confidence of the fans is at an all-time low. Uh, ever since, uh, I think, after our, our last game, uh, the game we lost in, uh, against 10 guys in, uh, in, at a time, um, I said, like, man, uh, West, West Ham's the big game next. I think we're going to get a thrashing, like, 4-5-0. Um, if, we, if, we if we continue to be as, as, um, as slow in our build-up as we are right now, uh, and if and if the de- defensive stability is not changed, if the if the coach uh, stubbornly keeps on using his same approach, his same formation uh, against guys like Marcus Antonio, Declan Rice, uh, Mark Noble, um, yeah, then then we're uh, then we're gonna have an absolute thrashing. Um, unless if if um, I don't know if he does like a good a good uh, group session with everybody and tries to get everybody on the same line, which we we're, we're losing all hope because you know, the, the reaction of players when they're subbed off um, last uh, yes, yesterday said enough as well uh, that we, we, we fear, we don't say it, it, it is because we don't have any eyes in the locker room, of course, but we fear that he might be losing control of the players um, or over the, wow. over the entire squad. So uh, for you, West Ham fans, yeah, you 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 couldn't, <laughs> we couldn't meet at a at a at a at a better time for you maybe, but uh, for us, it's uh, yeah, you know, it, it it was the big prestige game as well. You know, you can go to London to watch a, f- a football game. That's that's good enough as well. But to do it, yeah, at West Ham, sadly enough, it's no longer at the at the at the bowling ground, but you know, it's still still good enough. Yeah, man, uh, I think it's going to be a thrashing. Wow. Um, you weren't expecting that, or wasn't expecting that at all. I mean, I think I think West Ham fans were, were looking at, at this game going, okay, with Zagreb, um, we looked at as the, probably the toughest game in the group for us. Yeah. Um, but then second to that was Genk, and we were like, you know, you, you got you're used to playing in Europe, um, more you know more so than the likes of Vienna or, or anything like that. You know, and, and so we were looking at it going, okay, this is probably the second toughest toughest game we're going to face, and. So for you to come out and say all of that, I think um, it kind of just sways sways what my expectations were going into this mm-hmm. one. I was, I was expecting a very tough, tight game. Our predictions on the podcast have been um, um, I, I, I will 
the co-host has, has said he'd be happy with a one-all draw. Um, wow. <laughs> so, yeah, may, maybe you might have to rethink those based on uh, on what you just said there. But what... Yeah. what well, go I, I don't know. You know, maybe the players... You know, you know, um, a lot of the players uh, are, are, are really like they're devoted to Genk and they know that they're here for a while. But if they have the chance to, you know... Um, Get the spotlight on them, and if you can do it at West Ham, you know they might have a bit of extra motive, mo- motivation. So a one-all draw, I'll sign for that immediately. Um, but yeah, as you said, um, on paper we might have been like the second or third best team in this group, um, and if we would have had our form that we had in in April and May of last year, um, yeah, I could even say we could give you a decent run for your money um, at the Olympics. So. Um, that's how fast things change in football. Uh, and that's that's the that's one of the drawbacks that you have when you have a young group of players like we do. Mm. Uh, I think the average age is like 22.9 um, on the on the on on the pitch even. Um, so when you have a young group like that and things start going wrong, um, they miss you know an older guy, a leader who says like, "Come on, guys, uh, it's not over yet," and, and you know all those things. Uh, but yeah, that's what we don't have right now. So you know, forms going down uh, individually. The players are also reaching the levels that they were that they were reaching at the end of last season, at the beginning of this season. So you know, it's all it's it's too different. Um, and and again, we're 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 not the consistent. You know, we've been lacking the consistency. Like one year we're we're playing heavenly football, and and the other it's we stumble into a crisis. And and if this thing doesn't get turned around quickly, then we will be in a crisis. And We've got a pretty hefty schedule. So after West Ham, we face uh, Gent with a T at the end. It's a mm-hmm. different team, different city, um, and they're also, you know, they're they're a pretty good, uh, they're a pretty decent side, and and they have all uh, everything in their arsenal to come to our stadium on Sunday and beat us. Um, and then, yeah, we'll have lost several games in a row. Uh, and then I'm expecting something to change. Um, but uh, yeah, I think the schedule is. Uh, it's very feisty, but it brings us first to the Olympic uh, this Thursday. Uh, I'll be attending the game as well. Uh, right. Starting to, yeah, I, I booked it when we were still playing decent football, but now I'm starting to <laughs> ruin my, my own decision. Uh, so, yeah. Well, before I get a um, a score prediction from you, I just wanted to touch on, so I was doing some research earlier, and um, I don't know whether you know, but West Ham pride ourselves on our, on our academy. You know, we've got a, a rich history of bringing through young players and, and developing them into into world class talent. You know, the likes of Frank Lampard, Rio Ferdinand, Joe Cole, even before then, Bobby Moore, Jeff Hurst, Martin Peters. Um, I was doing some research on Genk, and it's very very similar situation with, with your guys. I was looking at some of the players that come through your academy over the years: Christian Benteke, Stephen DeFore, who had a spell at Burnley in the Premier League; Leandro mm-hmm. Trossard is at Brighton; Tim- Timothy Cast- Castagno is at Leicester. And then the likes of Thibaut Courtois, um, Kevin De Bruyne, Yannick Carrasco, Divock Origi. Some really good players coming through your academy. Is that is that something that's celebrated at, at, at Genk? Yeah, absolutely. They're really proud of that. And right, rightly so. It's uh, it's in the DNA of the club. It's really ingrained um, in, 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 how, in how the club is being run. Um, you know, there were like, I don't know, um, 20, 25 years ago, the, 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 the youth accommodation was, I mean, it was shameful. There was nothing. So they started investing heavily into it and, and quickly saw the benefits of, of having their own youth academy. Uh, because one thing that, that uh, Genk fans have always found um, found uh, paramount to, to being a Genk player is having the right mentality. And by having youth players, you have so many years that you can work 
uh, on that, uh, and 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 you know, you really really give them the DNA that you want them to have. Um, so yeah, that's why it's 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 you know it's it's such a cornerstone of the kind of club that we are, uh, and and you know we were a club in a in a in a far eastern corner of the country uh, where where you know you have to do everything on your own, and and now it's kind of grown into the business model of the club to 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 um, not only have have great academy players but also buy players very young develop them uh, thanks to the European football that, that we play, but also thanks to the very professional way of working of the, of the club, uh, which is in Belgian terms, uh, exceptional. Um, and yeah, make a, make a profit of those players. So it's been working really well. The, prof- the professional downside is that every after every major uh, success, so after every uh, league title we win, let's say, um, we lose our best players. Uh, this year was different after the cup. We didn't sell our players, uh, I, like I explained before. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they're they're very proud of of what they're doing, of, of the work they're doing. And and as of now, the um, our under 21s are are playing in their own league. And the top four um, at the end of the season uh, will promote to the second uh, professional division in Belgian football for the first time ever. Uh, and they are currently uh, at the top of the league with uh, 15 points uh, out of uh, five games. So. Maximum of the points, things are looking really good, and there's some really, really talented guys um, in the squad again. So, expect in about five years the, f- the first new names to start pop- popping up on the Belgian national team as well. So, uh, happy to see that that they're working good, and and that's something that we'll always cherish our own youth players. Brilliant stuff. It's nice. It's nice to have discovered that that connection between the two clubs. And so, one player I didn't read out. Um, which I noticed was uh, Rude Boffin, who West Ham fans will will remember as um, he was a goalkeeper. He signed for West Ham. Yeah. I think he only played like three or four games quite a while ago now. But um, he was he was one of the names that sort of stood out, and I was like, oh, I remember him. Yeah, he was in goal for us a couple of times. So, um, so yeah, there's another connection between the two the two clubs. But let's let's get a score prediction from you now, Tim Oliver. How, how do you think this one's going to go? You haven't been too confident. Oh, um, no, you said no, you'd snap, snap our arm off for a one-all. Are you going to go for a one-all or is it going to be a defeat? Uh, I saw I saw a summary of uh, your game against Everton, which was really impressive. Um, good result. Also, in terms of the league, uh, I mean, you think you, you had a really great result, which you needed. Um, I would say, I still say, I think we're going to get a thrashing. Um, I'm not expecting big tactical changes uh, to adapt ourselves to um, to the football of, uh, of West Ham. Um, so I'd say, so I'd say one, four, uh, sorry, four, one, four, one to West Ham, four, one to West Ham. Uh, I think, wow. uh, a brace from, uh, Antonio, uh, for sure. Maybe we'll get a penalty against us by some clumsy defending or like a handball, you know, and that's going to be the thing that kicks everything off like a, like a VAR penalty, uh, and then, yeah, then um, I still think we might score uh, like some, I don't know, uh, some some lucky individual action. But um, I don't have any high hopes, but up to our guys to uh, to make me a believer. Well, we'll certainly take a 4-1 win, definitely. Um, I said 2-1 before. Um, so, but I'm happy I'll take that 4-1, obviously. Absolutely. But <laughs> Tim sure. Oliver, thanks very much for joining us. Um, and you know all the best for the rest of the season beyond 
be on Thursday night and hopefully we'll be able to speak to you again before the, the return game, which is actually only in a couple of weeks on, on November 4th. Maybe we can catch up bef- with you before then. That'd be great. Well, if we can have you on our pod- podcast, then that will be that will be great. Uh, so... Anytime. Anytime. I'll let you know. Brilliant. Thank you, James. It's been uh, my my pleasure. Best of luck uh, in the league and in the Euro, in the Euro, Europa League as well. So uh... Thanks very much. Tim, Ol- right. Tim Oliver there from the Terrell Talks podcast. And next up, we've got Will Pugh. He's taking care of the opposition view for Tottenham, the big London derby on Sunday. He's speaking to TalkSport's Paul Coit next. <laughs> Support for the We Are West Ham podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who are the men's below-the-waist champions of the world. Manscaped offer precision-engineered tools for your family jewels, and they just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0, all across Europe. Yep, you can join two million men worldwide who trust Manscaped, who we've teamed up with to bring you 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the promo code WeAreWestHam. That's all one word. We are West Ham at manscaped.com. Imagine shaving with a sleek, well-designed and optimised trimmer that makes shaving time your favourite time, just like watching West Ham is your favourite time of the week. We're lucky enough to be one of the first to try the new 4.0 and it's fair to say we're blown away by its performance. It's a next level product that really will change the way you approach your grooming routine. James, uh, trimmers, shaving, keeping yourself nice and tidy down there. Any funny or embarrassing stories? No, nothing from me. Um, I'm not saying I'm a pro or anything, but nothing from me. But a, a friend of mine has quite an embarrassing story, which I always think about. Always makes me giggle, um, particularly after a few beers when we go out and night out with him. But on a Magaluf uh, lad's holiday about 10 years ago, he, he thought on his first night he'd um, give himself a little bit of a tidy up. And um, As went you all do. the way. As, yeah, I mean, as you do, yeah, but he, he first time he'd ever done it, so he wasn't, you know, he didn't really know about the aftercare and everything that comes with it, and um, spent a good, you know, a good 24, 36 hours in in agony because of the the, the Magaluf heat and the, the sweating that comes with it naturally, um, and it was very uncomfortable for him. So um, he got absolutely no luck, which was was his intent, his intention, um, and so we've laughed about it ever since. <laughs> what about you, mate? Yeah, uh, to be honest, mate, I used to be a regular waxer, believe it or not. Um, just a little uh, professional studio we had near my my work in an old life, this was. And he used to go and get it done in a salon. But it's an expensive way of doing it. It's like 40 quid a go every six weeks or whatever it was. Um, and then so one day I thought, oh, you know, I'll have a go at this at home. It's got to be cheaper. Bought all the strips. And I won't go into details, but it was very, very painful. And the uh, it was not a pretty sight afterwards either. So from then on, switch to trimmers, and it's been shavers all the way for me since then. Clean and tidy, no hassle, very very similar um, effect. So uh, yeah, to say not the de- not details, but it was not pretty. So uh, yeah, trimmers all the way. To be fair, mate, I never never had you down as a waxer, um, <laughs> if I'm honest. But yeah, I mean, you learn something new every day, didn't you? Um, <laughs> Manscaped have engineered the ultimate groin and body trimmer to combat all those embarrassing stories once and for all by focusing on intelligent functionality and incredibly comfortable grooming experience. Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to advanced skin safe technology. And it also has a very impressive 4000 LED spotlight, which I can show you right there. Oh, hey, have a look at that. Shaving in the dark. Shaving in the dark, just in case you need to, for whatever reason. I, mean, I wouldn't recommend it. 
for the um, awkward dark spots. Little dark spots. Um, again, if you've got any, you know, it comes in handy. <laughs> uh, and that can be turned on and off when needed for a more precise shave. This thing literally does have everything. It even boasts wireless charging, uh, additional guard links with sizes one to four, and a multi-function on and off switch that can engage travel lock. So lads, if you need to up your game when it comes to tidying up your trophy cabinet, or if you've been shaving down below with the same trimmer you use for your face, now's the time to dip into the transfer market and bring in a superstar signing who will upgrade your look and feel instantly. West Ham have done just that this summer, so now it's your turn. So head over to manscaped.com for 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code WEARWESTAM. That's all one word, WEARWESTAM. You wouldn't stick a goalkeeper up front if you're a manager, so why choose anything other than the right tools for the job? When it comes to your grooming, trust us, you won't regret it. Betway Charity Bet said and delighted with uh, the how we're getting on this season, racking up the funds for those three West Ham based charities. Absolutely brilliant stuff. And I'm delighted to say now moving on joining me for the first time ever on the we are west ham podcast professional colleague friend of mine all-round good guy friend and uh definitely in the know among the great and good of tottenham hotspur is uh talk sport early breakfast presenter and uh just mr tottenham i think it's fair to say it's paul coit paul Absolutely brilliant to see you again. Very Cheers, uncomfortable Will. being this side of the mic. I'm used to jousting with you uh, over the mics on TalkSport with you in the presenter's hot seat. Very nervous. Oh, it's the same thing. It's the same thing, <laughs> isn't it, really? And I loved it. Thanks very much for the intro, though. Um, just so too many West Ham fans aren't hating on me right now. It's like, oh, no, look, it's a Spurs guy. He's got the thing <laughs> in the background as well. So thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, well, I'm one of the nice ones. Is that what it is? Yeah, is that, absolutely. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, we, we've spoken about this before, haven't we? It's uh, the, the the sort of rivalry between West Ham and Tottenham. It, it it's quite hard to to be too angry about it, given that about thirty percent of my my friends, having grown up in Essex, all support Tottenham and are, are Tottenham yeah, yeah. through and through. It's, it's it's not like you can take it to the extremes because I'd have very few friends left. <laughs> well, yeah, it's the same with me because I grew up in Essex, and obviously it was about. Probably about five years before you uh, were at school there, Will. So it was, it was, it was, um, and it was the same thing. And this is going back to like the when I was a small kid in the late seventies and then the early eighties and everything. Always been that. At the time, it was it was West Ham fans. There were probably more West Ham than anything else. This is around Harold Wood in Romford. Um, so mainly West Ham and then Spurs. Not so many Arsenal, quite a few Liverpool because Liverpool were good before they were bad, before they were good again. So that was it. So, yeah, and, and still, and for years, I would have this just hanging over me, this this whole West Ham thing. Then I moved away and it had gone. And then I had a new found love for West Ham because nobody was giving me a hard time. And then I moved, <laughs> yeah, back, yeah, yeah. Then I moved back to back to Essex again. And I'm in Buckhurst still, and there's loads of West Ham. And then it all goes back, it all came back to roosting. It was like I was like being back nine or ten. And then whenever we'd play, I'd be dreading the game. Whereas before I'd always liked it, I always liked West Ham. But um I'll tell you how were your fans. We <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Come. thanks very much. I must- I must admit, every time I, I used to have a word of you before, I find it a lot harder than you do. When West Ham win uh, over Tottenham, and, you know, in recent times, there's been a, a, a split, I would say, yeah. uh, certainly since since I've got to know you a little bit. And I find it a lot harder than you do not to gloat. You're like, a, or just, just, you're just a nicer bloke than me, I think, Paul. That's, that's, that's what, what it is, is. You yeah, Will. Yeah. You've realised you exactly what sort of man you are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you don't feel the need to rub it in people's faces and all that sort of thing. And I can't help it. I know it comes back to bite me later on, which yeah. it always does. 
but I just cannot help it at all. But you you don't find that, do you? You're just you find it easy to just take it as it is and remain quite objective and pragmatic. There's there's um there was a, a football team that my son played for, and there, there's a few you know really staunch West Ham. I mean, we're talking really staunch. The stuff where you'd get the kids WhatsApp group, and then it'll be all this anti Spurs stuff would appear. They'd never say anything when you see them, and they knew what I do for a living. And then I'd be like, oh, I mean, that's a bit strong. So um so the thing is, when what was it? I think when we won, and there was the Sunday, and they'd been there, and I think when we won the game. And I'd gone in and said nothing. And I'd get more enjoyment from saying nothing. Because yeah. the thing is, there's, there's there's two ways of dealing with it. If you start giving me a really hard time about West Ham winning, and I'll go, you know what, Will? You're right. You're better. Yeah, better <laughs> on the day. What can I say? That's and, then worse. And, and all you're left is, is yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's yeah, nothing yeah. else to do. Why don't you buy it? Exactly. Come on, bite. You go, no, no, you're right. You know, so it was really inwardly. You're going, oh, my God, just take <laughs> it, take it. Come on, you can see this through. So um, so this is how I was. So so when we won and it was like, I just, well, how are you? Yeah, fine. Nothing. No mention of it at all. And I think, oh, come on, at least mention it. At least say something. Whereas I would always say something. Always like yeah. the elephant in the room. So before they come marching over, give with a <laughs> finger point. I go, oh, yeah, you want, yeah, you deserve that. Yeah, it was good. And go through the whole game very quickly before they can say anything. And they go... Yeah. <laughs> it's like taken away so, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I've, got, I've got a lot of years of knowing how to deal with those days absolutely wind out the sails before uh, <laughs> you've got a chance to go anywhere well look Paul it's brilliant to uh, to have a chat with you on the, the podcast for the first time uh, talk about Tottenham obviously you're yeah. one of your or your great love of course you've been involved with the club uh, for years and years and years now you've yep. seen the the progression through different generations of players, the good, the bad, and the ugly, just like um, a lot of a lot of our listeners, uh, West Ham fans, listen to this podcast. Just talk about um, this season first of all, before we get into some of the macro stuff. It's it's a bit of a bizarre situation, I think, uh, among West Ham fans. It's considered we've had a good start to the season. People looking at Tottenham. I know football can be so roller coaster, but mm. looking at Tottenham, saying, "Ah." Oh, yeah, it's been a nightmare. When's Nuno going to go? Blah, blah, blah. Eight games in, you're fifth, we're seventh. And mm. it's all sort of Harry Kane scoring again. And, and it's all flipped on its head, isn't it? The thing is, we're, we're very good at looking back on managers that have gone um, and looking at the bright times and going, oh, yeah. I mean, it happened 10, 15 years ago with Martin Yoll. And when Martin Yoll had gone, everybody go, oh, yeah, but look at Martin. We love Martin. And, you know, but at the end of Martin Yoll, it wasn't good. And it's the same as Pochettino because we so we, we loved Mauricio Pochettino for obvious reasons. You know, we were in the mm. Champions League final. But more importantly, it wasn't so much that for me, is that it, it just I don't know, just put a new excitement and new confidence and 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 just we just felt as if we were going to games and winning and winning with style and we played that pressing football and 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 it was it was very Spursy well naturally Spursesque I should say not Spursy but um <laughs> it was and it just worked for us and then when things started to go downhill um it was heartbreaking it was absolutely heartbreaking so whoever who was going to come in after Pochettino would be on a hiding to nothing and of course Mourinho we know what happened there and that that never worked out and now it's the same with Nuno and people are just very underwhelmed or were the fact you know he's come from Wolves and has he won anything and is he just another Mourinho and is we just going to be playing bad football and worrying too much about it you know the, okay the, the 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 first three games we won you know, we didn't didn't have many shots One on deals, goal. Weren't they? Yeah. they were, yeah, very much so. 
and then it, it didn't. Then we looked really bad, and then we were awful at Arsenal. But again, and, and I try and liken this to the Pochettino era because I remember speaking to players when Poch took over that were saying, "Look, it's not." And it wasn't. It took a time for us to to gel and for it to work for a new style of football and what well, they got it used to what he wanted to do. And um, and I remember them saying. Uh, when Pods took over, saying, look, it's going to take time. I think it was Carl Walker. I remember speaking to Carl Walker about it and, and saying, you know, it's not happening yet, but it's just taken us a while to try and get used to what he wants us to do. And I assume that that's what's happening with, with Nuno at the moment. And you've got to give managers a chance. You've got to do it. You know, there's no point panicking and think, oh, yeah, oh, PSG have lost. There's a chance that, you know, we'll be able to get him back. Let's stick with what we've got and um, and let's see how it works out. It's too early yet, I think. Do you do you think, Paul, you're not to liken Pochettino to Ferguson, obviously a slightly different scale and he wasn't there as long. But do, do you think there is that element where for a period of time, yeah. Tottenham fans are just going to be a little, not outwardly negative, but a little bit unwilling to fall in love again, sort of as hard as they did with Poch and mm. the, all, almost the rose tinted spectacles looking back? Because I put let's I, Interested on your take on this, Paul. That Champions League run, for me, I know that, you know, it was some of the greatest moments of, of my Tottenham fans' lives, those last-minute yep. dramatic wins, yep. blah, blah, blah. But that seemed, from a, a sort of a fairly neutral perspective, looking at Tottenham at the time, the Champions League run seemed to mask some pretty dire league form. A hundred percent. Absolutely on the money you are. And, and, and this is... And it happened before then. Sorry, Will. You're actually yeah, right. On, yeah. I agree with you. I absolutely right. agree. Because at the time, we were not good. And however great um, Ajax was in Amsterdam, which is any Spurs fan will tell you, it was the greatest moment because mm. it was so unexpected. It's like any game. You know, if you're losing two and then all of a sudden you come back towards the end. But when there's so much to play for and it's a Champions League final, of course, it was everything. But... It was fortunate. It was fortunate mm. that we got the chances and we managed to get through and we got those goals. It wasn't done the fact that we played amazingly because we didn't. And it was at the end. And it's the same as the Man City. We had a bit of fortune that went with us uh, yeah. as well. Um, so it did mask over the cracks. It, it did paper over those without doubt. So by the time we got to Madrid, we all knew that this wasn't the Spurs that we'd had maybe the year before, the year before that, for that last season at White Hart Lane, which is when... Spurs were really on fire, but then things did seem to go against us. You know, there was the move to Wembley was one thing. Uh, didn't buy any players, which turned out to be a mistake. There's no, I don't think anybody would would, would disagree with that. Um, when there was the talk about Pochettino saying, you know, the uncomfortable rebuild or whatever words that he used, um, when maybe we should have actually bolstered the squad a little bit and it went stale. There, there's a lot of things to look back at. You know, in hindsight, it's, it's, it's very easy to be able to look back. Oh, that's where it went wrong. That's where it went wrong. <laughs> but there were clues. There certainly mm. were clues. So as good as it got, for me, was probably that last season away out lane. And I think if we'd stayed there, we would have had a hell of a chance to win the league. I really, really do. I think if yeah. ever we were going to do it, it would have been that next season. But Spursy, you see, then, then we move over and move to, <laughs> move to Wembley. Well, look, Paul, you've done my link for me there because my next question was going to be about the stadium. Another thing West Ham and Tottenham fans have in common at the moment, obviously yep. differences in the situations, of course, is being sort of moved away from, um, and again, to different levels. West Ham fans, a lot of them feel they've been moved away from their spiritual home. That's mm. manifested itself in different ways since has been well publicised. The Tottenham situation is a, is a strange one because I think many West Ham fans would look at that and say, if we were to 
not play at Upton Park anymore. You're on the same site, the, yep. the stadium. I still haven't been to the stadium. I don't know how I've managed to swerve that. But um, the, the stadium is a, a brilliant arena by all accounts. And mm. it all boils down to what you want from your football experience as a fan, mm. I think. And more and more so these days, people want a bit more comfort. I used to sit in the chicken run at West Ham where you yeah. had to choose between getting a coffee or going for a wee at halftime. There was, yeah, you could yeah. do both. Yeah. Um I thought you, know, you did do both there. <laughs> I thought it's how coffee, it used to work. Coffee down. I it was the streams that used to go down. Hey, what is that, coffee or is that piss? I'm not really sure. It did used to taste like it, to be fair. But, uh, and what, what you, you've been there. So for those who don't know who's listening, uh, Paul's been uh, the halftime uh, interviewer, entertainer, good friend and uh, colleague of, of the great and the good of, of Tottenham Hotspur. I think it's fair to say, Paul, you consider um, a lot of the, the, yeah. the famous names of, of Tottenham fans sort of friends of yours and uh, often on your talk sports shows and all that sort of thing. But you've been working at the stadium for every home game for you, you t- fill in the gap for me there, Paul. How many 16 years, years, 16 years, 16 years. 16 yeah. years. Yeah. So you've yeah. seen that, that period, haven't you? As well yeah. as obviously going to games yourself as a as a as a punter beforehand. As far as the stadium goes, it was a bit more of a long, drawn-out process because you had to go to Wembley mm. um, and then the the Spurs now. There are West Ham fans who, who sort of think that there's a little bit of what West Ham means to them that has gone and will never be replaced. I think sure. I'm one of those. It, it yeah. comes out in less angry ways. but Yeah, you know, I can understand what, that. What, what have you, what's your thoughts? And being there, uh, what, what, when asked about it, how, how do you sort of sum it up, the good, the bad, and, and the indifferent of, of that whole process, if you can? Personally, um, the stadium is unbelievable. It is, an, and I'm not just saying it from a Spurs perspective, it's an incredible stadium. Everybody would agree. You've got to come, Will. You, you love it. No, I mean, it's, no. it's, a, it's, it's an, it is an amazing space. And um, I miss White Hart Lane because I'm an old Spurs fan and there's a lot of us that um, have got a lot of history there, obviously, and seen so much. And it, there was just something about the old ground. But, you know, if I could choose you know you've got to go with the future and this is an incredible mm. place. Um, I remember before the stadium opened, we had a day where there were plenty of fans were invited to come and come in for the first time. I remember the first time I ever went, went into White Hart Lane. You probably remember the first time you went into Upton Park, didn't you? And it was, went in there and then... It was what? Whose was it? Steve Potts' testimonial. Oh, was it? But but what was it like for, for you then? When you walked in and then you saw the pitch and everything, was it you know almost like a an incredible moment where that you'll always yeah. remember for the rest of your life you can pinpoint in my mind right now the seeing the green walking up the stairs in the east end yeah, yeah for sure and you think that's it and that's how it was for me at, at, at white art lane and it, it happened again when the new stadium was built because i think the biggest worry um well obviously there was the the, the worry that it wouldn't be on that site but the fact that it is i mean just move along to a little bit it does make a difference and when i walked out there it did. It completely took my breath away. And I stood watching people. So when we invited I don't know, a few hundred people to come along, it was great because everybody. It, it, there was a nervousness of people walking out to go out and go, what's it going to be like? Is it going to feel like home? And it did feel like it. And, and it's a weird thing to try and explain because it felt like it was the same place. I know it mm. sounds – I mean, it is the same place. It is effectively yeah. the same place. But if you look around you – the only thing that's consistent with what you can see is the sky. So it could be anywhere, but it did <laughs> feel like 
it was White Hart Lane. It was very, very cleverly done, and it's very tight. I mean, this is the thing that, that most people also don't expect, is from the size of the stadium, when you actually get in there, it's very compact, and that's what makes all the noise, uh, and also the, the, the amazing South Stand as well. So, I mean, it is an incredible, it is an incredible, incredible stadium. And, it, and, it, and also... And also, you know, and it's a football stadium. And I know this is the problem mm. that, no, that you've it. had is is the fact that it's not built for football. But then again, I think Spurs probably took lessons from the London stadium to think, well, you know, what what is missing from that? I mean, mm. is there, because I know there, there, there's talk about things are going to change. Does it feel more at home to you than it did yeah. before? I mean, it's going to take time. Of course, it's going to take time. But eventually yeah, it, it will be right. There have been improvements by the club, Paul, and that's the thing, you know, there's such a, a vicious atmosphere sometimes, not at the moment, to be mm. fair. There's still a, a, a sort of core of people who have got that feeling, but you've seen it. There, there was seven to 9,000 people marched through the street. I, I've never seen yeah. a football protest with that many numbers a couple of seasons ago against the board. That's all mixed in with that. Be their legacy, regardless of what happens, even if West Ham win the Champions League and the Premier League in the next five years, uh, their legacy will still be the ones that won the Champions League and moved us away from Upton Park to the London Stadium. That's never going away. So is there, there no been... sorry? Is there no part um, of fans that actually think I can see why we did this? This was, you know, at the time this seemed like the right move to make. I think I think there are, Paul. I think you you'll know, especially working in the industry you've always worked in. You'll know a lot of the time the the dissenting voices are always the louder ones people yeah, saying oh, i quite like this that doesn't make headlines people going mm. oh this is enjoyable well yeah. what a nice place to come watch football yeah no <laughs> no one gives that any nobody's going to tweet i'm having quite a nice time you know you no, know exactly, the, the, you're exactly right. that yeah yeah mm. you're spot on i was going to ring in a radio show all of those things um so if, from my perspective just talking personally i i i find well this is what i've got now the, the the stadium has been improved. It's better than it was when we walked in for the first, um, the, the sort of curtain raiser against Juventus. Mm. Um, it has improved on there. And I think the club intend to keep doing that, which is, is all you can ask for, really. Um, I think there is some positive feeling. But I, and again, I've always said it all along um that the there was sort of an implicit deal between the club and the fans was that, right, yeah. we'll move you take away from your spiritual home where yeah. and let's get it straight no one had a say in that there wasn't a say um and but in and in return for that to move you to this stadium you will have a better football team than you are used to historically Mm. that hadn't happened for the last five years which is why we saw the level of anger we've seen i was always of the opinion well as soon as we're getting the bit back in the deal that was struck implicitly where the football team's better and you feel like the club is operating at a higher level than it always used to, i.e. Yeah. not on the back of a fag packet and the training ground being a little bit whatever, yeah. then no problem. This season and last season is exactly what we're getting. So I don't mind. I'll just make the best of it. I still go to football with my dad like I always used to. Right. Um, there, there are differences there. Uh, you know, but we've, we've, we've made our own new routine. We've finally, after a couple of moves, got seats we like with people around us we like, atmosphere we like. There was going to be some teething problems. But the the idea of watching West Ham in the way I do now for the next 10 years um, is is not one that sort of bothers, bothers me or rankles mm. with me as much as it did before. And that's a combination of improvements to the stadium and the main one, improvements to the team, because that was yeah. the deal. People just felt wronged before because the team was still 
rubbish if not worse than it was at the old ground so, do, do you think though that the improvements to the team and the fact that you know you, you are looking so much better and you know obviously the manager's working and the and, and you're looking like a very good football team of course but is there a lot is there any luck rather than judgment do you think that's gone into that or is this it, it's actually the plan that's worked i think i think david moyes is the 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 core of all of it i think there was some luck with that in that i think he was employed at first yeah as in for the second time because he was a cheap option we'd just yep. been paying manuel pellegrini in the region of eight million pounds a year mm. I, I i'm not certain on these figures but i believe moise's first contract when he came back the second time was less than half of that mm. so that played a huge part in the decision let's not get it wrong i think it's worked out very pleasantly indeed for for the, the decision makers but they obviously saw something in Moyes as well. There's such a hesitancy among West Ham supporters um, to to give any credit at all to the board because mm. um, it's sort of it's bad PR. But I think that's the wrong way to approach it at all because that waters down any sort of negative points you have to make then when they need making. If you're just negative all mm. the time, so I think credit's got to be given there, and he's done a See, fantastic job. I agree, and and when it comes to the board, and and it, and it's you know I'm not I'm not defending the West Ham board, and I'm not doing the same with Spurs either. But at the time, you would imagine that Pellegrini, fair enough, seemed like a, a, a pretty impressive appointment that he was being was, brought in. Yeah, and massively. it's the same with, with Spurs and Mourinho and, and even going back um, to other managers that we've brought in in the past. This seemed to have been, at the time, the best option. They're paying the most money they can and they did it because they believed it was going to work. And when it hmm. didn't work... You, is it the board's fault? And then obviously Pellegrini's gone because when things aren't working well, they think we well, are paying this guy all this money. You know, he's he's it's not working, and and then the team's not very good. But at the time when the decisions made, it seemed like that was going to be the best one, and most people would go along with it and go, yeah, absolutely. But being fans, it's very easy for us to be able to go straight away. Uh, I always knew this wasn't going to work. You know, you know, we got to get rid of him because we're the ones that always shout the loudest to get rid of a manager. So then when David Moyes has come in. You know, it, it could have been the slightly underwhelmed, but also it he's coming. Inspiring, yeah. but, but for him, what 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 and, and it's almost the difference, just that if you think of when he went in for Ferguson, he's he's seen both sides of the coin here because when he came into Manchester United, he was on a hiding to nothing. He was never gonna be able to follow Alex Ferguson. It was never gonna work for him. Whereas going into West Ham, he's got the other side of it because Pellegrini's been a disaster. It can only go one way. And so mm. he's thinking, look, I know the team, I've been there before. I know what I can do. So it must have been a more of a comfortable fit for him to go in there at that time than what happened when he left Everton in the first place. To go People to weren't queuing up to give him a job either, Paul. Yeah, like, let's, right. let's be honest. It, it, yeah. it was, a, it was a, a fit for both parties at the time. Mm. I genuinely think, I, I think he took too challenging a job before with Sunderland and Sociedad after United. Yeah. And and that sort of did probably self-inflicted damage to his reputation. Oh, mm. You know, there must have been a sort of middling club that wasn't such a huge... You look at where, you know, Sunderland and Sociedad, going to Spain's a big thing to do. I think he just was desperate to prove that he is a, a special talent after it went so wrong at Man United. So he yep. almost made the challenge too big. And West Ham was finally his level. I think he probably realised that, Jesus, I need to get in and stay relevant here. Yeah, and it's a good there was fit. a risk call of him dropping yeah, off. Like, of course there was. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, I've only got championship jobs coming in. Mm. And you've seen it with plenty of managers, the Kerbishleys of the world, who had decent reputations after a couple of wrong moves and a bit of hesitancy getting in, back in the game. They sort of fall away. Mm. Um, but, you know, I, I, I just think what he's doing at the moment is fantastic. It's a brilliant feeling yeah, around the club. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Uh, 
And it, and it feels for the first time ever, Paul, sustainable. 2006, we got to the cup final, was great. Last season, Upton Park, brilliant. But it, uh, it feels sustainable, which is is what I've always wanted for such a long time. It I'm just really, I'm just really hopeful. Weird. I'm just really hopeful that it, it's when you're rubbish and you play your one good game of the season or the two good games of the season against Spurs, um, and then you turn it on. I'm hoping it's going to work reverse. So you're playing really well, and then you play against us, and then it turns out that you'll be rubbish now. So I'm hoping it, <laughs> hoping it works both ways. Roll reversal, mate. Exactly right. To Paul, just uh, to talk about Tottenham then. Um, the the way it started this season, you've mentioned what your sort of thoughts are on Nuno back into fifth. The game at Newcastle yesterday, pretty yeah. comfortable performance. Yeah, um, so. all the way through. Uh, the Harry Kane situation's dominated the headlines. It still dominates the narrative around Tottenham, understandably so, because the, uh, the, the you know the move the, to City that never materialised mm. in the summer. Harry Kane came out and, and put a statement out, which is sort of against his character, isn't it? Which obviously basically confirmed that there was talks and there was a desire to to leave this summer. He struggled to find his shooting boots until uh, the Newcastle game, of course. What do you make of that situation? Oh, God, where do we where do we start? Um, yeah, it's it's interesting because it get the lines get really blurred between what's rumour and what's made up. And what actually did happen. So I can understand Harry Kane thinking, okay, it's great under Pochettino. Um, I'm going to sign a four-year deal for if I however long it was. Uh, and this is where I want to be because he's he's a Spurs man. It's as simple as that. But when things turn for the worse and feels that, hold on now, I'm getting slightly older. I'm 27, 28 years old. Is this going to be the right place for me to stick around to actually win stuff? You know, and I'm I'm actually loath to go into the fact of saying, yeah, he definitely said he wanted to go. Yes, Manchester City wanted because was there any offer? Was there actually? I mean, you probably know better than me. Was there actually an official offer that came in for Harry Kane saying, right, we're going to offer you this much? Whereas Grealish has gone for a hundred. Harry Kane's going to be worth a lot more than that. And as a Spurs fan, um, you know, I've heard people on telly, oh, it would have been best. It would have been the best interest of the club for him to go. Not at the wrong price. I don't think it would have been. I think it would have been crazy. Mm. I mean, if, if someone comes in for Declan Rice now uh, at a small amount and you know how much he's worth, what he's worth about two, 250 mil, something like that, isn't it, Will? Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, you're not going to take it. You go, we would rather have him in our side than take the money and then just try and get some people to build it around him, even if he's, you know, we're not sure whether he wants to stay. And but if he's on a long-term contract. Isn't yeah. that the crux of it? And that that's the, the baffling thing with modern football these days. In any other walk of life, if it, I mean, we've done this analogy before on air, but if it was a car and you've got a decent car <laughs> and you yeah. want to sell it for, for five grand or whatever, and someone comes and offers you three and a half, you're not going to yeah. sell it. But your car isn't then going to say, well, actually, I'm not going to run quite as well now. You haven't let me go. And that's yeah. the balance, isn't it? Because it's but a human commodity. But I'm not commodity. convinced. And also because it is, and also because it depends on the human commodity as well. And you've got to weigh up what sort of player you're dealing with. There's going mm. to be players that you think, you know what? I, I mean, I look back on, on Gareth Bale <laughs> when he left for the first time. And and there was, um, I think they were in Hong Kong and, and he didn't want to come out. And he was advised, you know, if you're going to get the move, you're going to have to sit tight. Don't go out to training. Don't do this. And then you get forced into the move. And I, whether it be great of Harry Kane or whether it be the Spurs board looking at it and thinking we know what sort of fella Harry is so we can trust him, um, why should you? Because I don't believe that Harry Kane is the sort of player, even now, 
that's going to go out and force that move because he's got too much respect for Spurs fans and probably too much respect for the game itself to start mm. throwing his toys out the pram and saying, well, I'm not going to do anything unless I move because he signed the contract in the first place and, and he stood by that. Yeah, I, I, I totally understand you there. And Kane is obviously a professional in that sense, but it's it's impossible to argue that his form has suffered again. The 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 all the 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 evidence suggests it's as a direct result. You have exactly. to sort of do but some mental saying, gymnastics, don't but you? But that's to... it. You're sort of thinking of the form. Is it? How is he looking? Is it? Is ah? Oh, that's what it is. It's obviously it's because a a he didn't though, get it? a move. Maybe, maybe it's not. Maybe it's off the back of the Euros. Maybe it's because he didn't have a long enough summer. Maybe it's. He doesn't look like a man who's shrugging his shoulders too much, but also no. he needs, like, like, like we said, you know, in the Euros, I, and I'd always said, you know, give him the ball and he'll score if he's getting, if he, you know, and last couple of games, by the way, did it? Does it show that I love Harry Kane? Harry, but I thought he was terrific against Newcastle, and that was it. And he was getting the ball, he was getting into positions, and, and the goal he scored was fantastic. And that's Harry Kane, and it's. You know, and and don't count him out. Don't count him out because he'll be up there and he'll start scoring goals again. And then we'll look at things at the end of the season. It's nothing's going to happen in January. He's not going to go in January. I don't believe I that. Just, I say, you reckon he'll be there that long? I do. Yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> I, he, he won't be gone then. Because well, then, what? Well, when do you? Well, you know, when do you reassess it? Where you know, if you've got three years left on a contract, what's the point? Is his is his is his worth going to go down mm. in a year? Don't think so. And not all of a sudden he's going to be like, okay, yeah, he's, he's going to be, he's 28. But is it going to be, oh, this guy's no good anymore. We're never going to bid for him again. I, I don't think so. So no, I'm, no. I'm, I'm happy for him. Whether he, whether it, we, we see how things go at the end of the year, um, who knows? Who knows? Yeah, it, but, it does um, feel, it does feel, I know it's easy to get sort of lulled in. It does feel like a, a when rather than an if at, at this stage. But mm. it, it all depends on if you, you know, if Nuno turns it around and you end up competing for that top Swap four, deal with you... Antonio? What do you think? Is, is that possibly <laughs> on the cards? No, no, no. You're right. Thanks. <laughs> Kane, <laughs> no, Kane, no, no. You don't want him. You're going to keep, keep him. Okay. Kane can't play right midfield, right back, left back and in goal, can he? Yeah, like yeah. He has played in goal so. for Spurs and he didn't go so well. Yeah, so that's fair enough. <laughs> Um, Paul, looking ahead then to the game on Sunday, huge game yep. um, for both clubs, both sets of fans for of various different reasons. But of course, whatever the circumstances are, West Ham v Tottenham, huge game, one that I always look forward to, the one I look out for first on the fixtures every single season. I can't wait for it. Do. Sunday, two o'clock yeah. at London Stadium. Uh, how do you think that game's going to play out? Because Tottenham hit a bit of form yesterday, albeit against Newcastle. Um, you know, who aren't much cop, but how do you see the game playing out? West Ham getting a, a decent win at Goodison Park on the same day, uh, yeah. both going into it in reasonable form. If it had been a couple of weeks ago, then I'd really be worried about the whole thing. Um, but um, I'm I'm slightly buoyed by the way they played on Sunday against Newcastle. Um, I think I think we're on we're, we're turning in the right direction now, and I think we're going to beat you, Will. I'm really. I'm mm. never gonna. I'm never gonna call you the next day or start like. But I have a feeling <laughs> yeah. that we may win this game. Now, obviously, this is one of those games. Where, you know, you're going to be nervous, whatever goes on, because it's one of those uncomfortable games where you sit there and you can't enjoy it because you know, mm. please, whatever, don't let us get beat. You, you think? Yeah. You think you're going to win? Uh, oh, that's too. no, isn't it? No, that's... I'm the same as you though. I went. I worked for the. I was at the North London derby. A few weeks ago, where I was working. I mean, Arsenal. I See, that was horrible. Seen, 
Yeah, but I haven't seen Arsenal play like that for mm. years. The whole Emirates was unlike I'd ever seen it before. From before the game, yeah. everything was working in unison and you're just sitting there going, this is what Arsenal could be. Mm. So I think there was a little bit of Tottenham being poor, a little bit of Arsenal being good, a little bit of the atmosphere and the occasion overwhelming the Spurs players and all of a yeah. sudden it was a calamity. Mm. Um, that, that obviously, in my opinion, wasn't going to be the case for the rest of the season. Watched the game yesterday, Tottenham. Um, and again, it's it's hard because it's Newcastle, but you, you've got to beat what's in front of you, and it doesn't matter who the opponent is. That'll have given uh, Kane a bit of confidence. He loves a goal against West Ham as well. I'll be honest, and I don't normally say this as well as West Ham are playing. If you offered me a draw now, I'd I'd say yep, yeah, thank Would you. you. Shake hands and walk away. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Same I'll, as what you said. I don't I'd probably want be the same. Yeah, I don't want it to be. We're playing well as it is anyway. Just take the draw and and get out of there. I think. I think the most important thing is that you just want your team to turn up. You know, if you get yeah. beat or if it's a draw or whatever, you just want your team to turn up. Arsenal, we never turn up. I've seen that too many times in the past. I've seen times where we look totally up for it. And you know, and, and most people with any clubs, you you know what your team's going to do within the first 10 minutes of the game. You you know, you get a fit, unless, unless you're a Newcastle fan, I suppose, in the first five minutes of the game when they played yeah. us. And they're thinking, hang on, it's all coming back. Dan and Decker jumping up and down there with the Saudis. <laughs> and then within about 15 minutes, it's like, can we can we put the camera on them again? Can we just see yeah, that? Yeah, they yeah. didn't. Uh, because it just went against everything that they wanted to happen on the telly. But um, yeah, that's it. It's just as long as we turn up, as long as we give you a good game. And that's what I and I also want a really good game. I like a real, you know, we've seen some, we've seen some great games over the years. One of my favorites was that. Obviously, that wouldn't be for you as the three-two and the Paul mm. Staltieri and 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 you know and talking about last-minute winners and when we were talking about that's what that's what we love. That that's always that, seems to happen, it, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Like we've had and, Lanzini of in our favour, the Lanzini stuff. Gareth Bale scored a couple of screamers at Upton Park yeah. from a million miles away. We had the Ravel Morrison game at White Hart Lane. There, mm. there does seem to, and then thrown in there every now and then, there'll just be a horribly grim one-nil to someone. And yeah, like the goal in the first five minutes is usually in February when it's grey and miserable. Oh, the and no one, at, no one remembers it. The game at Wembley, the game at Wembley, that it was League Cup game, wasn't it? We, we oh, two what up, a game we three up. I mean, yeah, well, yeah. what a game for you! I remember sitting there, sort of thinking, "Oh, this is easy." You were just abject. It was just like worst West Ham performance I've ever seen. And then the second <laughs> half, it's like, what is going on? And that's the thing about football with momentum. When when you see that momentum, it's great when it's with you, but when it's against you, and you think. Oh no! I know yeah, yeah. what's going to happen. You could see it happening. I mean, it was for for a neutral or a West Ham fan. It was a fantastic game for us. It was just horrendous. But <laughs> you know, give us something like that. I mean, let's let's say if we're going to spin the wheel and it's going to be one of those games, but you don't know where the ball's going to drop. Whether it's going to be in West Ham or it's going to yeah, be Spurs, yeah. are you going to take it? I don't know. If if someone said right, there's going to be six goals in the game. Yeah, you, someone's going to win. Where it's going to go? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, or you can have a nil nil. I think at the moment, oh, I my well, heart can take it. You're not going to take the nil nil. I, I think I would. I just need to be on a bit more of an even keel in my life these days. I don't, I just don't, <laughs> I don't think my heart can take it anymore. But um, look, so good. Paul, it's been absolutely brilliant having you uh, on the podcast for the first time. No, it's a pleasure. Wonderful well, as ever. Give me a score prediction then for Sunday, two o'clock, London Stadium, West Ham v Tottenham. Uh, West Ham, Neil Spurs, six. I think I'll go with the no, no, no. <laughs> six goal thriller. <laughs> I reckon, you know what? I'm going to go for two, two. I will go for, I mean, I did say that I think it's going to, I will, and I'm not sitting on the fence. Um, I think it's going to be a few goals. I think we'll go for two, two or 
Uh, a 3-2 win for Spurs. One of those two. Excellent, Excellent stuff. Well, look, um, we'll have the uh, the predictions from the lads on the podcast as well. Later in the show, Paul Coit from TalkSport there, Mr. Tottenham Hotspur, and generally one of the nicest men I've come across in my career. Paul, thanks so much for joining us today. It's been absolutely brilliant having you on. And uh, yeah, of course, if West Ham win, expect a video call from me <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> you, the be, morning after the on. game. <laughs> Yeah, I'll yeah, go, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. I'll go, yeah, well, it was good and well done and congratulations. And then you'll go, ah! <laughs> exactly that. Thanks, <laughs> dummy again. Paul Coyte there, thanks so much. Absolutely brilliant having Paul Coyte on there. Paul is Mr. Tottenham. If, uh, yeah, if ever you meet a bigger Tottenham fan, uh, well, I don't think there is one. He's been the uh, the half-time interviewer over at uh, Spurs for, yeah, 15, 16 years now. Considers Aussie Ardiles, David Ginnell, all the big Tottenham names. Personal friends of his because he's such a nice bloke and he is annoyingly uh, he's not even smarmy. He's just annoyingly cordial and nice when Tottenham win or lose. And really, you don't really want that, do you, when Tottenham lose? But uh, delighted to say um, that uh, we're covering the West Ham women now. James Jones is back with me. Uh, forgive me if uh, you're confused. This week, by some segments just being me, some just being James, we tried to cram it all in in between the uh, end of the Everton game and Monday afternoon, but delighted we've managed to do it all. Jonesy, West Ham women, uh, carrying on their, uh, their run of decent form against London City in the League Cup on Wednesday night, last Wednesday, the 13th of October. Uh, Lucy Parker, it was, whose effort in the 16th minute um, put, gave West Ham the 1-0 win. Probably, it's fair to say, a little bit closer uh, than we were perhaps expecting. However, the, you know, I mean, the girls had 59% possession, 14 shots, five on target to London City's uh, 10 shots and three on target. One of those, really. It puts some second in the League Cup group behind Brighton, who are top on three points with a... Uh, well, actually, Brighton also won 1-0 against Birmingham. So they're top, excuse me, just on alphabetical order at the moment. That would obviously change. But um, yeah, a little bit closer, do you think, than we thought? Or don't care, happy with the win? Well, I think on the face of it, you just take the win, didn't you? But yeah, I think there'd have been a lot of fans looking at that fixture going, it's a good opportunity for Oli Harder's team to... Including us. A, including us to uh, to get a bit. I think we said it last week. It's, it's a good opportunity to get a bit a, a convincing win under our belt, and um, particularly going to the Arsenal game next week. It's uh, I think it, it, looking at it going well. Man, this is a good opportunity. But yeah, it's a cup game. Take a win, didn't you? I mean, mm. it's, it's it's similar when you look at it. It's similar situation to when we played Vienna in Europa League. Um, I think a lot of fans were expecting a bigger a bigger result than two 0 but we didn't get it. Um, but at the end of the day, it's three points in a group stage, and you, know, you move on. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Totally agree with you um, on that one. Uh, this next up in the league, of course, is Arsenal. That's not till the seventh of November, um, and then I believe it's Brighton. Uh, Brighton next in the in the league somewhere uh, between all that. What 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 do you think? Um, Oli Harder will have will have taken from that game. Then, do you think, even though it's a win, he'll just be delighted to keep that that winning form up and running? Yeah, it's form, isn't it? It's clean sheet is also key. Um, you know, there would have there would have been a lot of defending involved. So, 
just you know the resilient side of things make sure you don't concede and um yeah keep the unbeaten run i think that's what five games unbeaten now mm. so if- you know it's just a case of just putting together a good run of form particularly ahead of that difficult fixture with arsenal you go into that with a little bit of confidence you never know do you no, no, you're right, man. It's a fairly strong side. Um, Oli Harder put out as well. Tamika Yellup, um, Hasegawa, Svitkova all played. Jilly Flaherty in defence. A couple of changes in there, which I, I think we sort of would have expected. It's good to give those um, those players uh, sort of, you know, change up the squad a bit, give them some playing time. Kate Longhurst, Adriana Leon and Danny Brignada-Storda came off um, the bench as the, as the game went on. Um, but yeah, all, all in all, I think, it's one of them where you think, oh, one nil, a bit of squeaky bum time. But um, yeah, ultimately puts them in a good position. First win on the board and uh, hopefully they can capitalise on that um, against Brighton next time out in that competition. Uh, Arsenal next in the league. Jonesy will, of course, um, do it. I believe we've got a guest coming on next week, an Arsenal women fan uh, and WSL journalist to have a look ahead to that game, which will be exciting. But just how are you feeling provisionally now? Is it one of those where the gap in play is almost a little bit irritating because you want to carry on that form? Or it's like, it's all right, regroup, work hard and uh, and see where we are on November the 7th? That's probably a bit of both. You know, normally when you, you go into an international break, you know, if you go into that with a win, then some sometimes you can go, it's good. Other times it's like it's come at the wrong time because you want to keep that momentum going. But, I don't think when it, when it comes to facing Arsenal, particularly this season, I don't think any of that really counts. You know, it's going to be a, a really, really difficult contest. You know, they've won all five of their WSL games this season, only conceded twice, battered the likes of City 5-0. So, you know, it, they are a force. So regardless of whether you get the two weeks break or you want to keep your momentum up or you want to keep going, um, that sort of thing kind of doesn't really count. But, what they will take from it is that, you know, they're unbeaten in five and all competitions, so they will be confident. Um, but, you know, it is going to be a tough game against them. It's, it's, you know, you probably could look at it and go, they'd rather it sooner rather than later. But, you know, Oli Harder's got, got them well drilled this season. They'll be prepared for it, no doubt. Hmm. Yeah, sorry, mate. I've, I've made an error there, um, just in case any eagle-eared fans are on. Uh, eagle-eared, that's definitely not the phrase, is it? No. It's eagle-eyed. Eagles yep. I have notoriously bad ears, I think. In fact, I think their eyes are so good to make up for their awful hearing. (laughs) But um, no, uh, West Ham's next Conti Cup game or the League Cup game, uh, which they beat London City in last week, is against Birmingham away. It's just the match days are a little bit out of sync. So Birmingham away on the 17th of November is the next game before Brighton at home on the 15th of December completes that first round of fixtures. So, uh, yeah, apologies for that. But, yeah, good win. Um, probably harder in the week. Keep that uh, the positive momentum going at the club. It's absolutely brilliant to see both the men and the women pulling in the right direction. Great time to be a West Ham United supporter, uh, whichever team you're following. And, uh, James, we need to get one in the diary, don't we? And get down to uh, to watch a girls play hopefully this side of Christmas. Um, that'll be a, a decent little day out of that, won't it? 100%. Yeah, I'm, I'm, looking, I might, I'm thinking I might go to that Arsenal game because it's the Arsenal play at Meadow Park, which is Boreham Woods ground. Oh, of course. Um, if they're the not playing at the Emirates, it'll be at Meadow Park. So um, I might see if I can get over for, for that Arsenal game on the 7th. I might have a little trip up, mate. What a lovely day. A little be. wander over the road for it. Yeah, just getting the away end, can't we? Shirts off yeah. and stuff, half an hour in. 10 pints buzzing <laughs> yeah, yeah happy out. days well uh, look yeah congratulations to 
to Ollie's side there. A little bit of a break now before that game on November the 7th, but uh, keep supporting if you can. Uh, you fancy getting over to see the girls play at Dagenham or that um, game up at Arsenal that, that James mentioned there. Keep your eyes out. And uh, yes, yeah, on the West Ham normal website for tickets, if you so wish. That, James, is nearly it for another week's show. Uh, but do stay with us because we'll have some final thoughts next. <laughs> What a podcast, Jonesy. Brilliant to have uh, two opposition views. They were two brilliant ones. I mean, I love having the uh, the European ones. It just reminds me every week the West Ham qualified for Europe and we're in European competition. Uh, so brilliant to have the, the Genk opposition view. Wonderful to speak to Paul Coit earlier. He's a, a broadcasting extraordinaire. Does the talk sport early breakfast, had his own show. On TalkSport 2 for uh, many years as well, which he was always really kind to have me on. Um, he's just a brilliant bloke, Mr. Tottenham. Um, and uh, yeah, he's sort of changed his tune throughout Jonesy. Um, first of all, he said he thinks Tottenham are going to win the game and asked him for a prediction after chatting to him for half an hour about all things West Ham Spurs. Uh, and he changed his tune and said it's going to be two all. He asked me, Jonesy, um, if, if, he could, if I could spin the wheel now and take a six-goal thriller um, but I'll, I don't know that, you know, there's no telling which way it's going to go. It's three all, five, one, six nil, like three, uh, four, two, whatever. Would I take a six goal thriller and not know what the result is or take a nil nil? What would you do? Oh, that's a tough question. It was a, yeah. That is, I'd probably go for a nil nil. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I said. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just can't at least then you know. Give me a point. Yeah, you know, you know, you're getting a point then. Like, yeah, but yeah, just yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I'm, uh, I'm with you, mate. I'm glad we're on the same page now. Yeah, I just don't think my heart could take even the Lanzini one. I know it was a great game, but I just honestly, by the end of that, I was like, I'm aging prematurely here. This is no good for anyone at all. Um, James, brilliant podcast again this week. Did well. Uh, a little bit, a little bit of a new feel of it. Doing some of it on Sunday straight after the Everton game. And we've done those in the past. <laughs> a bit hit and miss. Sometimes our uh, our reactions are a little bit too hot-headed and volatile. We need a bit of time to calm down. You were weirdly angry, despite the fact West Ham had won one nil away from home. Um, <laughs> go on. I, I, I was thinking about that this morning, going, why was I so angry about the Nets? <laughs> yeah. Like, I think it's because... I watched back the highlights this morning and I was like, actually, it's very obvious that the ball did go in the back of the net. But for some reason, when I was watching it live, I don't know whether I took my eye off the TV for a slight minute, but and I remember just getting myself really irate about the colour of the nets because they are a little bit annoying, but <laughs> not not to the point where I got as angry as I did. And then I watched it back this morning and I thought, well, actually, no, it's very obvious that the ball did go into the back of the net. Um, <laughs> That's so blue net. And so, yeah, I was sort of sitting there scratching my head this morning and going, what, what's what on earth is wrong with me? I don't know. <laughs> exactly that, mate. Very, very peculiar indeed. Well, look, Jonesy, brilliant win uh, at Everton and straight on to the next big, big week at West Ham. I'm loving it this season. It's just I'm a, the international break was nice for us to have a little bit of a breather. Um, slightly less to organise and plan for the podcast, but I'm just loving the games. It's just thick and fast. It's just always football again. And that feeling when you're playing well is, is unrivaled, really, isn't it? It's just something to look forward to. It's a thing you sort of build your week around, already looking forward uh, to Thursday night against Genk. And then 
yeah, for whatever happens, a few days later, um, you're back there again in the London Stadium for a huge game against Tottenham. Just give us some uh, some final thoughts before we sign off on uh, another good podcast and another big week coming up for West Ham United FC. Yeah, you're 100% right, mate. I think I think I mentioned it last week that you know it's weird being in this feeling where we're kind of always looking forward to the next game. An international break came along and we were like, no, we just want to keep playing every three days. Like It's so great. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and also given the fact that, you know, you, we've got difficult game against, well, on the on paper, difficult game against Spurs, City in the Cup the following week, you know, and, but you, at the moment we're going into games like that where maybe previously before we'd be kind of a little bit wary about what West Ham's going to turn up. But now we're, you know, we're all pretty confident that it's going to be a good performance from, from the team and it's whatever happens on the day. Um, you know, we, I think we can all kind of not so much guarantee, but be quietly confident that you know, it's going to be a good performance and it's going to be a good game of football. And, you know, um, there's a high chance that we'll get a result against teams like that these days. So yeah, absolutely buzzing. Great to get the week off to a good start at, at Goodison Park. Another smash and grab up there and looking forward to Thursday night against Genk. And then obviously the big one on, on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, it really no, is been, a big one, isn't it, it? It's been a good good episode. Great to talk to uh, the um opposition view for Genk and get a good good inside view on those and then um yeah, just raring to go now, mate. Raring to go. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's funny actually. We we spoke right, I'll tell you what, James, I so we spoke about it before, but um saying, you know, ahead of that Man United game, if you'd have taken a win and a defeat, I'd have taken the win against um winning the Europa League game that we had uh, in the days leading up to it and then a, a defeat United that turned out that that's what happened so I was like okay fine this week two draws please would be nice I'd, I'd just take a draw I don't I don't want to tempt fate with the universe too much um, so yeah if if we had a choice I don't want to win and defeat just give me two one alls and <laughs> and uh, and we'll come away from it from it nicely I'll take that but then at the same time one of my Spurs mates the other day was like, "Oh, yeah, I'm so glad we're playing you after your Europa League game. Like, you now you're going to find out what it's like to play on Thursday nights and then a big game on a Sunday." And I was like, "Oh yeah, you got a point." And then I thought, well, "Hang on, no, they're playing Thursday night as well when that Conference League thing. <laughs> yeah. So it's going to be exactly the same thing for them. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And we're playing at home as well, so like, it's not no travelling involved. So yeah, I've no. got no idea what he was talking about." Sounds like you've done him, mate. Like Absolutely right done him. him. Yeah, well, I didn't because I, di- I didn't actually tell him. I kind of agreed with him at the time. It's only when I was walking away later. and I was like, oh. <laughs> it's a bit oh, prophetic yeah. to then text him a comeback, isn't it, 20 minutes afterwards? Yeah, can't do that. No. <laughs> right, well, listen, mate. Uh, didn't do them earlier in the show. What's your score predictions? Um, give me Genk first of all and then give me Tottenham. I'm confident against Genk. Um, I think it will be another 2-0 win. 2-0 against Genk? Yeah. Mate, I'm going to... I'm going to go one all for that. I think well, I felt like we were going to do one all at Everton on Sunday. Um, I think just something's looked a little bit, you know, that rapid Vienna wasn't as convincing as everyone thought. And Genka sort of a, got a decent reputation, a good pedigree in, in European competition. Uh, sort of flit in between the two, don't they? So, yeah, I'm going to go for a, for a one all, and I think I'd take that. Thanks very much. And what about Tottenham, mate? Sunday, two o'clock, London Stadium. Massive. So I've gone over two and a half in my in my Betway bet. So I kind of got to stick with that. Hmm. Um, I've got a feeling we'll, we'll beat them. I'm going to go two one. Two one, you reckon? Yeah, I've got a feeling we'll beat them. If it's not two one, it'll be a Desmond. 
Yeah, well, that's what I'm going to have. I'm going to nick your score, mate. I'm going for a Desmond 2-2. Um, yeah, I just think that I've watched their game against against Newcastle. Um, brilliant tier this morning as well, by the way. James, I know we were doing our post-match Everton bit as that game was going on, but brilliant tier this morning on Monday morning that uh, the Newcastle fan, by all accounts, is um, is doing pretty well. The one who uh, suffered the illness during the game that caused the game to be progressed. Good to hear that he's doing well. Watch that game. Tottenham were good. It is Newcastle, which I said to Paul quite earlier on the podcast, so you can't read too much into it. But regardless of who the opponent is, winning and scoring goals buoys the players, doesn't it? Injects confidence into the players. Kane's found his scoring boots. We mentioned this earlier in the show as well. And <laughs> Get your house on Harry Kane scoring against uh, West Ham on Sunday, 100%. But yeah, I'd, uh, I'm going to go for it for a tool there as well. And like I say, mate, two draws from those two games would be absolutely brilliant. Listen, uh, thanks so much for joining us again this week. The numbers are creeping up and up and up. So uh, we're obviously doing something that you all like. Uh, the engagements creeping up again on on social media me and james are getting a bit better at replying to some of you which uh, i don't think we could say before it's great having a chat with all of you who've got in touch thanks to the guys whose comments i read out um this week as well if we miss yours i'm very sorry but keep engaging and we'll get in touch with you you can uh, speak to us comment on our stuff at we are underscore west ham on twitter we are west ham pod uh, on instagram uh, just search the We Are West Ham podcast on YouTube and Facebook, uh, especially YouTube. That's where you can get all the videos that James does such a good job of uploading. Uh, a couple of ones today, the opposition views particularly, are well worth a watch. Uh, so go over and subscribe to us on YouTube, like us uh, and join the page on Facebook as well. And you can email us if you want at wearewestampod at gmail. Com. Thanks very much for listening this week. A brilliant win at Goodison Park. Got rid of that bitter taste uh, that the Brentford game left really, really quickly. And it's another whopper of a week. How exciting is it at the moment to be a West Ham United supporter? Genk at home in the Europa League on Thursday as we look to extend our perfect unbeaten record in the Europa League group stage. Imagine, imagine a couple of years ago, when all the protests were going on and the feeling that was surrounding the club. Imagine, throw forward to the 18th of October 2021. You say West Ham are going into a week with a home European fixture, looking to make it three wins from three in the group stage before a home game against Tottenham, where the odds are pretty even, if anything, the Hammers are favourites. Absolutely wonderful to support West Ham at the moment. We're enjoying it. We're enjoying the podcast as well. We're glad you are. Thanks very much for listening, everyone. Keep spreading the word. Up the hammers, and we'll see you next week. Hi, this is Tony Cotty, and you're listening to the We Are West End podcast. Podcast Network.